Hey guys, if you are listening to the sound of my voice, congratulations, lucky you. Uh, welcome to Content Candy's new, 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 new show. It's called Garmin Shows Ya, with myself, Video Drew, and Lon Harris, talking about entertainment news, or whatever we find on the internet, or whatever comes to our head. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, what have you. And make sure to check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways you can support this network, this brand as we continue to grow. Love you. Welcome to another episode, a brand new episode of Garmin Shosia, a new yeah. podcast with myself and Lon Harris. Hey, what's up, everybody? You got, you got most, uh, I feel like there's a little, like, there's like 10% Greg Turkington in your introduction Wow, this wow, week. why? Like, all right, and I, we got a, it's a brand new podcast here from the Victorville Film Archive. We've got a You know what, lot. that's that's Adam Collins rubbing off on me, because we <laughs> Adam's have a show now, and it's yeah. it's very much just Adam Collins' energy. Is just that, a lot of, listen, a lot of great taste. Tapes, uh, yeah. a lot of great movie the information. Run, the runtime here is an hour <laughs> yeah. and 35. And that's uh, 94 minutes. So if you've got, uh, you know, about an hour and a half, uh, <laughs> plenty of time to enjoy. Have you been watching any of the new on cinema? Some. Well, I've seen some of the new season. I've uh, not seen any yet. It's it's Everything's been really top shelf so far. And I, I love how the, like, they're, they're, it's such a fascinating thing this year in particular mm-hmm. because... The show's always been like it's it's meta, you know. It's about how you're watching the show and how they're making the show while the sh- you're watching it. Yeah. But now they've created because it's about the website that it exists on. Like, High networks. The plot is that Tim Heidecker's created a streaming service that he's using to broadcast on cinema. And so the show is in in this very specific way about the way you're watching the show in real time. Oh no! Yeah. And do wait, does do you watch Greg's stuff on like another platform, or how do you watch? Greg? It, no, everything is. It's like. It, it is a the website is on cinema. There isn't oh. just like a show that you click on and watch this week's episode. It all arrives in like new sections or new things. I didn't read. Like, I didn't read. Greg's something. doing this, and Mister Movies is doing this, and then Tim's doing this, and like you kind of have to access it as. Is Greg back in the mix? Or yeah, he, yeah. He's been involved back in the. Fall. Yes, it's it's like the the website has become this kind of interactive storytelling experience. It's like an ARG in some weird way. I love that about yeah. it. By the way. Hey guys, this is a show where we talk about whatever we want. If you haven't figured that out yet, Damn it's a it, get into it. It's already happening. If you understand the titles reference, you might be like, Where's all the Twin Peaks stuff? Well, you know, 
Don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. Relax. Relax. Chill out. <laughs> Take a drink of your diet doctor 7-Up. Nope. Just nope. regular diet 7-Up. He's not nope. a doctor. This man is not a doctor. <laughs> no, unlike Dr. Pibbs or Dr. Pepper. Mr. Pibb. He's also not a doctor. Oh, God. It's Mr. Pibb. He didn't go to four years of medical no. school at all. No. he just He's just a civilian. Just yeah. Mr. Just a regular guy named Pibb. Oh, man. Mr. Pibb's gross. Like, I get that it's like... Oh, we'll make our own generic version of Dr. Pepper that we own, and we'll call it something similar. And he went to state school, correct? Yeah, right. But, uh, but like, it doesn't taste anything like Dr. Pepper. It's its own unique bad taste. Well, Dr. Pepper, can I be honest, mm. is kind of trash. Like, Diet Dr. Pepper's fine. I like Dr. Pepper. No, it tastes like, what's it taste like? It's not supposed to be root beer. Is it supposed to be root beer? No, it's, it's, it's. It's its own original flavor. But I, I, mm. one time I was talking to somebody, uh, I, I, I know exactly who it was. Uh, one time I was talking to my friend, uh, Edwin, who is a bartender. Oh, that's cool. And he expressed to me that he believes that Dr. Pepper is plum flavored. Oh. Like, and that's why, like, and, and then it made me think of when I was in high school that my, my friend said that it reminded them of prune juice. Oh my God, and yes. once that got pointed out to me, now I very much taste it when I taste Dr. It's Pepper. It's plum? It's plum. I, I mean, that's, this is, I don't know, I've not verified this with the Dr. Pepper company do you think that toast soda would taste the same i know we tried this with the with the if you're old enough to remember the pepsi light or pepsi whatever it's called the clear pepsi challenge crystal well, pepsi crystal pepsi yeah uh they should have just call it clear pepsi um does it taste different when yes. you can't see it crystal pepsi well it, it doesn't taste different because you can't see it if they just made a new flavor and that's what crystal pepsi tastes like but it does taste different i did not really care for it like if you had a bunch of drinks in front of you and they all look clear but you tasted them do you think you could tell, tell the difference between pepsi and coke i love that you brought that up my what? dad when i was a kid I, I i mean i still am addicted i'm sitting here with a soda right now i, I only love, drink soda i love soda i try my, to not it's I, my favorite beverage if anyone from big soda is listening yeah please sponsor. I, like, the older i get i definitely try to force myself to drink more water mm. and like you know i drink coffee in the morning like i try not to constantly have something. oh good you substituted out with coffee Co- that's yeah. good you know health food coffee uh but i do love it but as a kid i was very soda obsessed mm. and my dad uh you know like i you know i like my particular sodas and my dad had this theory that he used to say all the time that if they sodas don't really taste like anything it's just sugar you're not really it's just overpowering you with sugar and in fact he was like if i blindfolded you or if i put a bunch of sodas in front and just like glasses, you wouldn't even know the difference. You couldn't tell Dr. Pepper from Coke, from Pepsi. They were just a glass because it's just sugar is all you're tasting. And I was always like, no, you're wrong. Like we never tried it. I wish we'd experimented. Oh, well, I have tried it. I went to uh, a Hebrew sleepaway experience once. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I remember it was my first time sleeping away from home. I don't remember. It was not just camp. It was an experience. It wasn't a camp. It was a one night ordeal. And they drove us out to somewhere like at a planetarium maybe. Uh, and I remember like, okay. I think it was, he- maybe it wasn't Hebrew school. It might've been Girl Scouts actually, now that I think about it. And it was my first time sleeping away from home. And I was like freaked out of my mind. I remember being like looking at the moon and being like, this moon's too big. I don't like the moon outside of my house at night. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, but in the morning I remember to do whatever. I remember I got a nosebleed that night. Sure. And I remember when the, uh, when the people said it was cause I picked my nose and I was like, no, whatever. The point being, <laughs> fuck I was like, I was doing blow. Shit. Yeah, exactly. I was 18 years old, mm. sleeping away from the home for the first time. For the time. very first time, I was like, the moon is too big. The moon is too time big. Time to do some rails. <laughs> <laughs> Need to mellow out all time the acid. Time bang a few rails. <laughs> moon's too big, man. Moon's too big. Now we're going to go look, uh, go on a night hike with then, the rocks. Then we, uh, then we did the Pepsi challenge the next day, mm-hmm. uh, which was we all have, if I remember correctly, we all like sort of suckled from this 
Uh, like, <laughs> you know, you get those cup of Joe things that are like those, they're box square things of Joe. Yes, yes. So in my memory serves, but this can't be right. We all like, kind of like the tap sort of poured into our mouth. Suckled of the teat, yeah. <laughs> of soda. The, and then yeah. we had to name which sodas they were as sort of blind haste test. If I'm, maybe I'm misremembering this and this was just sort of, we were sent away on a marketing study as part of like, yeah, our Girl maybe, maybe this was the Pepsi Corporation. This is why we never had to sell cookies. I'm yeah. realizing it now. Uh, but They're like Shyamalan <laughs> sitting at the top of the cliff, like making notes. We're still on that old beat. We're still, we're yeah. still on Spo- old Spoiler beat. alert. Spoiler alert, everybody. Uh, so, so good. So <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I remember being like the only one in the group who was like, this is easy and like nailing it. I was like, this is Pepsi, I, this is Coke. I've never tried it. This would be a great video. Maybe we'll do it for Screen Jackies. Uh, I feel like I would nail this. I feel like I know every soda's flavor like that. Yeah, because it's like, in a can. Well, I mean, I'm saying if I didn't see the logo, like if I didn't know what bottle I was drinking from, if you just poured it into a plain glass, I still think I would know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, most I think of, I would do a hundred percent. I think I would do a hundred percent too. Uh, and I'm, even blindfold, like I don't even need to see the color. Like I would know Mountain Dew from Sprite, just flavor. But you think you could tell Mountain Dew from Mellow Yellow? Oh, okay. I mean that me, yeah. I still, honestly, I still think I could. I still think I would. I don't maybe not be able to name the ones that are like more like Mr. Right. Jones or whatever. Mr. <laughs> the Mr. Jones, the other one. Is that a, is that a real one? The both bespoke sodas. Oh, that are okay. like the green ones and the blue ones and like the oh the Jones. Like, I think they're just called Jones. I think those are yeah, those are Jones. Okay, so I'm just Jones. adding Mr. and Doctor. Well, there's Doctor Brown. You might be thinking of those. You know those those are the when you're like a New York deli and they've got those little bottles. And yeah, Celery like or Black Cherry Vichy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Those of course. are Dr. Brown's. Now, have we talked yet about Manhattan Special? What's Manhattan Special? Oh, my God. Uh, Manhattan Special is this thing that you can get in New York. Uh, I'm not sure if you can get outside of New York. It is, they have different things. They have orange flavor, whatever, but their main claim to fame is, and they, have, they make it manufacture this in Brooklyn, as you might imagine, from someplace called Manhattan it's Special. it's called Manhattan Special. <laughs> and everyone thinks of New York as just one place, yeah. but uh, it is local. It is coffee soda. Oh, I've never had this. It's super sweet. It's really good. But what you do is you take some of it and it's like this little clear bottle, like a little glass bottle, uh-huh. and you pour it into a glass with like ice and then you pour a little bit of like creamer or half and half on top of it. So is it, is it carbonated yes, it's coffee carb- or is it soda that tastes like coffee? Great question. Isn't it? Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> uh, if memory serves, it is like a hybrid. Like it wow. is definitely... It is, yeah, maybe it's soda that tastes like coffee, but it's soda that tastes more like espresso, I would right, say. Right, or like a caffeinated soda that with a coffee flavor. I feel like that makes more sense to me than actually caffeinating coffee. You know what? It sounds gross. I'm going to put a pause on this for one second because I want to go get something from okay. the, and I, one second. So just pause one you second. You don't have to tell them there. It'll just keep going for the podcast. Now, do audience. I press pause or do I press uh, record stop button? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, hold on. Let's try this. Okay, and we're back. We're back. And so, Drew has handed me a Dixie cup with a liquid in it that I'm not allowed to look at the liquid or... You can look at the liquid. Oh, I can look at the liquid. It looks it looks like root beer maybe or so, some kind you of... You want to take a step and see if you can guess what it is? Okay. Oh, I think it's what we were just discussing. It has a, it has a coffee... It has a coffee-ish flavor, but it is carbonated. Yeah, I realized that that, that prepped you for something. This is not Manhattan Special. Manhattan Special no. is not disgusting. This is disgusting. This is pretty disgusting. This yeah. is Coca-Cola with coffee. Oh, this is that Coca-Cola with coffee. I've heard about this. Why? Do you think, what is going on here? Like, did they, 
This is pretty gross, guys. It's not, you know what? It's very mild. When I heard the they smell, were doing- The smell. When I heard really... they were doing Coca-Cola with coffee, those feel like those would be very strong flavors together. And this is very, it's like, it's very subtle. But it is there. You do taste the coffee. It's not just like having a Coca-Cola. I don't like it. <laughs> I'll finish it. It's okay, okay, you can have the rest of it. Anyway, yeah. guys, this is a good mukbang sort of. What's the <laughs> what's what's the liquid version of mukbang? I think you can do a liquid mukbang. Oh, I, think. God, I fucking hate that word. Mukbang? I, you hate the word more than the practice? No, the I hate I hate gross. both of them. I, I hate don't them. like watching people eat just in general. Oh, you know what? I don't like hearing people fucking yeah, eat. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing about that that's pleasurable to me. Uh, I, I, I was watching this movie, this, I think it's Korean movie, The Wailing. Mm -hmm. It, was like a it couple, is Korean. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no big deal. I nailed that. Um, couldn't get <laughs> through it. Couldn't get through it? I love that movie. It's because they mukbang the entire thing. They do, yeah. It's like, it takes place in this like provincial, you know. Like, like a village, yeah. Like a village, and it's about this cop who's like the, you know, the cop of the village. But it's like in the middle of nowhere, and like I feel like it's just maybe it's part of the culture or something, but he's constantly slurping soup and like eating new, like every scene he's just like. No, it's, it is not. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's the culture. I don't want to talk about Korean culture. Yeah, yeah. Why well. don't you go but, ahead, Law? <laughs> but uh, the movie is very much about like it's it it builds to this kind of fantasy horror climax, but it's not really a horror movie. In fact, it's kind of funny a lot. It is, of it. it is kind of. I but, remember, but it's just. Very but he kind of builds tension through a lot of like weird imagery and sound, and like there is a lot of using sound to like unsettle you. Yeah, okay, so it's, that's purposeful. Um, oh, it's very, it's definitely purposeful. It reminded me a little bit of like Gaspar Noé does stuff like that. Oh, like is that how you pronounce his name? I always just say Gaspar Noé. It might be Gaspar Noé. I have, listen, <laughs> I have no idea, I'm just guessing. But yeah. he he does the same thing where like in Irreversible, oh, there's God. that very low rumbly bass in some scenes that's designed to make you like on edge. Like what's about to happen? Like why? Your, your body just reacts to that level of sound in that way. And Christopher Nolan's always tried to achieve that to the, to the point where like Tenet is on, you can't listen to any of it. Like the Tenet, you can't hear it because yeah. he, thinks, he thinks he's discovered something where you can put the bass I up. Know, there are times where I feel like it kind of works. Like it he's does doing work. This, this like immersive thing where it's like, well, if you were really, if you were really in that plane with Bane, you might not be able to make out every word that he was saying because he's muffled in a mask and you know, there's air, you know, wind everywhere. And like, But like the question I guess then is why like, shoot a man before it. no but like the point is why does write dialogue then why even yes, write the movie I, if you wanted like an immersive like gaming well, like because i feel like that's part it's like well it's not that people don't just shut up if they're in a loud environment sometimes they talk and you can't really hear them it, it, so it's supposed to be like a, is it supposed to be like hyper realistic yeah, is that what bane I, I, is i think in chris nolan's mind which is also wearing a suit inside his brain. Uh, it's just like it's like a little. He's got a little. It's a little. Store. I just picture a little mini brain, but wearing a full men's suit inside yeah. Christopher Nolan's brain. That's that's cute. I like that. Uh, and <laughs> I I think that yeah he it's like like in Tenet where they're they're sailing and they're on Brana's boat and Brana's trying to talk to uh, Washington and you can only make out one out of every like three words because there's there's waves crashing and like I think he's in his mind it's like this is what this would be like to be on that boat with these guys and I'm just immersing you in it and it doesn't matter if you can hear everything because you'll figure it out from context. But like, but you don't and that's the problem with specifically Tenet is you don't figure anything out without the audio. First of all, even with the audio. That's what I, exactly. I, my, my argument, my counter argument to what you're saying is you'd never figure it out. A hundred hours of listening to them but talk like, about a reverse <laughs> pincer move and I wouldn't get it. But you know what? I think with the 
audio. It's almost like a little hat trick because with the audio, you're like immediately like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. I think without the audio, if you were just watching it in a theater, you'd probably be like, oh, that's on me. I missed something. I must have missed something. No, his movies do. They are like that where they make you It's like the prestige. It's like a little trick. Yeah, it's on you if you don't follow everything, even though it's freaking bizarre. Did you see Reminiscence, the, the Lisa Joy one? Uh, the one that you really liked, the Hugh Jackman one? The Hugh Jackman one. Really like I was entertained. You had a tweet about it. I was entertained by how nutty and off the wall it is. But I mean, you know, if it follows some of my favorite tropes of, of memory time things. It, well, but it's just, it's so fascinating that she's not, she's not a, she's not a biological Nolan. She just married into the Nolans. Wait, oh, that is a- Lisa. It's written and directed by Lisa Joy, who is Jonathan Nolan's wife. And Jonathan oh, Nolan West and Lisa World. Joy created Westworld together. And this very much feels like a like a lot of Westworld actors are in this, and it's kind of in that same mental space of like thinking about memory and, and like time what's really happening. And what's really happening. And and uh, I think the really interesting thing uh that she's getting at in reminiscence is this idea that your memories can be the same, but the way you feel the way you feel about things you're remembering changes. Oh, so and based on how you feel now, it alters your memories. So, so like, like Inside Out, she's getting to the same point as kinda, literally like, Inside Out. Because he keeps watching these memories replay that he took of this woman that he's become fixated on, uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, and, it's and also the same cast as The Greatest Showman, weird. It is. <laughs> and like she's even like a, a singer. So there are scenes of him watching her sing oh like my God, that's twerk weird. songs on stage. So it is, there's parallels. <laughs> there are parallels. But um, but yeah, it's like he's so the the images are the memories are like recorded. They're the same. They're the exact same every time. That's not even but, how memories work. Okay. No, well it's the, it's a it's a sci-fi. It's like a machine. Oh, I gotcha, gotcha. So he's got a he's got a player that can record and replay memories, mm-hmm. and so he's rewatching it. So the memories are the same, but the way he feels about Rebecca Ferguson keeps shifting, and that changes the nature of the memories or what he gets out of them or what he sees in them. And like that's a really interesting idea. But you keep seeing the same shots, but they just aren't. right. It but it it's the 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 approach. Hugh Jackman's take on the memories is always different because the way he feels about Rebecca Ferguson as he learns more keeps changing it's like a noir detective thing that's kind of cool it's that, pretty cool There's, that sounds pretty awesome the movie is both at the same time it's like really really Nolan Joy-ish where people are having these very high-minded conversations about the nature of time and memory as one does and all of this stuff it is very heady and it's kind of slow and it's very complicated, but it's also pretty fucking cool. Like there's a lot of stuff in it that I really like. It's also set in like this future Miami that's like partially underwater and it's like oh, that's half dope. the city is sunken and it's all about like how that world works and how the rich people have carved out these like damned areas. So they live in the dry part of town and all the poor people, like the more poor you are, the more you live like underwater. It's really cool. Are they, are they fish people? No, it's just like, it's like a city and like most of the people live in like, you're just walking around in like ankle deep water all day. But then if you live out on the coast, you're basically like your whole neighborhood is submerged and you have to get around in a boat and you live like in the top floor of a building that's almost entirely underwater. But then if you're rich, you live like in a high area and it's just like a normal neighborhood. Why won't you just move inland? Because no one wants to Because the rich home. people took all that. They 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 thought it. They thought it out. She thought it out. Like okay, there's a okay. lot. It's clever. I mean, I will say that uh, always watching Westworld, I was like, whoa, this is. Uh, it feels sort of like he might be the better Nolan, and I realized, and I wondered maybe he's not the better Nolan. Maybe she's just a better counterpart. I think it's a little bit of both of those. Like I feel like the the Nolan, first season of Westworld, the now. Chris movies that Jonathan helped on are better. 
Like Wait, the Bush ones today? Those are it's like Inception and Prestige oh, yeah, and all are. that came before that. Like mm-hmm. the, after that is where Jonathan kind of went off and Did went well. his own way, and Chris has been kind of on his own, and that's when you get the tenets and the Interstellars. And, and they're worse for and it. And they're not as good. And yeah. I feel like you need a little bit of that J Nolan in with your C Nolan. Because isn't the thing with them is Chris grew up in London and John grew up in America, which is like cool experiment. Correct. Yes. That's a cool experiment to do with your <laughs> yeah, with your kids. With your two Nolans. Yeah. Is keep one in London and, and raise one in America and one creates Westworld and the other creates, yeah. uh, you know, the one with the boat. <laughs> with, the boat. With, the, with the British people in the boat in the last stand in like England or whatever, France or wherever they were. Uh, Dunkirk. Oh, Dunkirk. <laughs> what do you call it? No, that's that. That is Dunkirk. I just didn't think. I don't think of it as the people in the boat because they're on a what? beach. I'm sorry. Okay, but they get in the boats at the end. There's really a whole Mark Ryland subplot. There's, there's there's stuff on boats. Sure, sure. There's a whole plot on the boat. No, it's about <laughs> boats, but it's about people on a beach waiting for boats. Some of it is. Or Tom Hardy in a plane flying over the boats. Or Killian Murphy. In or a boat. Killian Murphy in a boat. That's yeah. You got me there. And the kid from the Eternals. And the uh, Barry Keoghan. Did I you see he got he got like stabbed this week in Ireland? What? Yeah, it, Barry Keoghan got like attacked. I'm saying it in a funny tone of voice, but That's I don't. Crazy. It's not funny. It's terrible. he's. I was about to say he's one of my favorite young actors. Well, he's, he he delivers. Kill, he's, seen killing, he's seen Killing of a Sacred Deer. I was just about to say he delivers one of my favorite all time modern villain performances. In killing of a, a Sacred Deer, Deer is one of the best, scariest ambiance movies. I like. There's just something about that final imagery. I won't say what it is. Yeah, him, but, uh, well, just, no, just the, him the eating spaghetti oh, is, so the, is very chilling, that scene. I was saying that the scene he's not even in where it's Colin Farrell and the family at the final yeah. that final thing. Yeah, he was hospitalized last week after he was attacked in Galway, Ireland. Serious facial injuries following attack outside his hotel. That's fascinating. Because if you had asked me before today whether what's his name? Barry... Kogan, Kyogen. Oh. Okay, so whether Barry Kyogen had uh, facial scars, I would have said like, yeah, that guy's got like a ton of like. I think I just think of his face as like being one that is, like, looks like it's just has an interesting scar on it. So hopefully, I mean, all well wishes to thoughts and prayers. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Barry, hope you're doing <laughs> hope okay. You're, hope you're doing better, Barry. But Sorry about that. That's all to say that I think you'll be fine because your face was made to have a scar on it. Like, well, there you go. Your face was made to have like an he, interesting Joker scar. Or something. He may, we, he may not end up horribly uh, scarred. We'll see. Serious well, facial injuries can can heal, I guess. Yeah, sure. So, what happened in the news this week, Juan? Besides Barry, <laughs> besides Barry getting how's attacked, do, how's he going to do the red carpet for Eternals now? I don't think he is. I think he's just going to skip it, and the, you know, do you think they attacked him? Send him well wishes. Is this because you think they didn't step in during uh, the events of Infinity War? Oh, that's it. <laughs> People are just really upset about that he let Thanos happen. <laughs> I like that. I like that every. It feels like every movie trailer that they come out with now, half the trailer has to be like. Here's why these guys didn't stop Thanos. Like yeah. they know that we're just like. What about Thanos? <laughs> Like, I thought like gotta, last week. I thought last week's episode of uh, of What If was pretty good because they immediately were like, "Oh yeah, Thanos didn't have to be a bad guy." Yeah, well, that because it really does make you question like everything that the Avengers like. Are the Avengers just kill crazy lunatics? Well, like, I mean, they kind of. That's always been my theory. Tony Stark is a villain. I mean, he, he's always been the villain. Of he kind of genocided that entire opposing Thanos army. Like those like, more than that. I mean, his whole plan from the beginning was always like, you know, it was his first it was Ultron, and then he's a fucking yeah. maniac. He's yeah. a 
He's he has no boundaries it's until he great. decides like the Sokovian Accords are okay. It's like, weird. It's weird they're gonna go back and make a third Guardians movie with Star Lord, like Chris Pratt's Star Lord. Now that Marvel has come out and been like definitively like he fucking sucks. He's like, really terrible. Marvel's with that. Well, this this week's what if was like what if Star Lord oh, oh, gotcha. was a capable guy who's good. Oh yeah, and it was like yeah, the whole universe would be a whole lot better. Like Chris Pratt fucked up so much. <laughs> I was saying the like, character of Star Lord. Not yeah, Chris I mean, Pratt like, is a human I, being. I mean, no, I don't mean. Listen, this is not. I, I have my own thoughts on Chris. Oh, that, that's how you were saying me. Marvel came out and said that. I was like, no, no, I'm crazy. saying Marvel's basically taking the the T'Challa Star Lord savior of the universe. Mm-hmm. The 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 Peter Quill Star Lord basically like a piece of shit like yeah, basically has not done anything good. But and the other side, he's not uh, like a rich megalomaniac, so he doesn't have the power of Tony Stark. Like he might be a, a piece of shit, but there are many pieces of shit in the universe. I'm saying like, like Gamora would be like happy and with a lustrous blonde head of hair. That's not Gamora. That was uh that's the other one. Oh, you're right. That's Nebula. Nebula. I got, I got my Gamoras and my Nebula. Where is Gamora in all this? Was she just not involved? Well, she because Thanos didn't wipe out her world, maybe. What? Oh, no, Wait, that would have been before. That would have been before. I don't know then. I, I thought that was weird, too. I was like, where's Gamora? Maybe she, like, Thanos is good now, and she was just like, hey, I want to leave. And he was like, all right, I'm good now. Get out of here. He's like, fuck off. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, so, you know, they just parted ways. Nebula, Nebula and... and, and uh... T'Challa were like pretty close. Yeah, That's- they're they're pulling they're pulling heists together. The only thing I didn't buy was that in this reality, uh, like um, the the collector would have like rose to power. Like I know he had like some like little niche thing. I don't. I just don't think in a power vacuum it would have been the collector. He's just such, like a goofball. Like, like, like he's the, just so silly. Yeah, like right. Like I, I don't I don't get from him that he craves that kind of power. He's just interested in like the oddities, odds and ends of the universe. Yeah, like he's not like amassing me. He's like, all the biggest weapons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. I think they would have immediately just honed it on Tony Stark being like, whoop, okay, that's the bad thing in the universe. I think yeah, at the end of the day, yeah. Tony Stark is always going to be the one biggest existential threat to the whole universe. <laughs> well, they also kind of, like, they're, they're, they presented the show as kind of under false pretenses. Like, they're pretending that it's like, what if it's like one thing was different? Here's like the ripple effects of that one change. But then they change a bunch of stuff. So well, that one thing would have had a big... Yeah, but I'm saying beyond just the ripple effects, like sometimes they tweak people's personalities or their approach to things that wouldn't necessarily be changed by that one tweak. It's just like a variant universe. But, but lawn counterpoint, butterfly effect. Yeah, I mean, right. That's, I'm sure that's what they would argue. Yeah, Thanos was was a whole different guy. It's he was right. he it's, was just like he wasn't only well, just even like, like the variants from Loki. It's like you know, alligator Loki. That more than one change led to Loki being an alligator. <laughs> that was my thought to watching the variant thing. Was like there had to be more than one. It wasn't just like he adopted the wrong kid or he adopted yeah. an alligator. Is everyone in that universe an alligator? We we tend to think of it like you remember sliders that old that oh, old yeah. show. Of course. We, we tend to think of sliders alternate reality rules where every alternate reality would be exactly like ours, but with one chain. Like yeah, it's Matt, our world, but there was never an Elvis. Never yeah. gets that shit. The one I remember about sliders was uh it's in <laughs> this was the one just a commercial for it because I never watched sliders. It was it's like our world, except the women sexually harass men. Yeah, that yeah, was the right. one. Of, it's always that. And it's, it was like a, it was a shot of like a woman like CEO, and she was like slapping the butt of like a, a male secretary. Right. Being yeah, like, like I was like, television never replaced radio. <laughs> it was like always like that shit, and it's like no, it it. What was the threat that week, do you think? Like, uh, what do you think the big threat of that universe was? Just like, maybe y'all get their period at the same time. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it was. It was oh, God. Crazy okay. female president's going to nuke everybody. Well, 
in actuality, what was the existential threat of, of, of Sliders? Was there a big bad? I know his brother got involved at some point. I think it was almost like Quantum Leap-ish, where they would just, like, week to week, they would end up in these alternate realities and have to do something in order to get out. Like, mm. I think it was that. I okay. don't remember what they had to do. What, or, like, who they were Set fighting against? one thing right, or, you know. Make like, sure the men get back to the, the yeah, like, power sure, dynamics. Right. The, if it... Their main goal was if it's a matriarchal society, you got to just change just, that just shit. Just nuke it from orbit. That's yeah. it. We can't allow those to prosper. What guys. if, what if <laughs> all the characters, but they were all female variants? Yeah. Wait, so the what ifs are not, I thought, assumed originally that this, and I guess this kind of plays into the Spider-Man trailer too. I assume this was all going to tie into one big Nexus event, like the Kang thing or, but what yeah. if is not related to the Nexus no. event? It's just sort of like, here's some hypotheticals that... Right. But like with the What if events, is purely like a fun, hey, let's spin off some stories we couldn't tell in the MCU because they wouldn't work out in the timeline. But aren't these all variants? Like, don't these all count as variants? They, I, my sense is that they've timed this purposefully. So we're watching this show exploring multiverse possibilities while Loki and all this is set and it up. While the new Doctor but I don't think any of these stories are gonna have any impact on anything else. I think this is Really? As its but own. like even the knowledge that Kang is gonna be the bad guy in at least one of these big feature films. I mean I think that yeah, I just don't think that ties into the what if cartoon. Oh what if the what stuff. if specifically. Yeah. Okay. I mean all that ties in for sure. You think the Loki stuff but not the what if stuff. Right. I think what if is kind of the only way that what if ties in, I think is just this one, we might get Jeffrey Wright back in something. I was about something. to say the Celestial stuff. Like, we might, we, might, we might have Watu, the Watcher, show up in some other context. Is he a Celestial? No. I think the Watchers are their own thing. Because they kind of look, can I be honest? They straight up kind of look like the fucking fake-ass They kind of do, but I, I, I believe, in, and I'm sure there's Marvel comic readers no, this listening is, this to this is. right now that are, like, losing their minds. But I believe that- The they, Watchers are their own thing. I the know Watchers this are their mind. own thing. I know enough to know that the Watchers are and their the own thing. And the B-Boy Skeletons are part of it. B-Boy <laughs> <laughs> uh, Skeletons part. You did have the funniest tweet last night in relation to the Doctor, sh- or the, the- Oh, is it the, the, the Spider-Man? I, I'm friends with your dad. Uh, that's how we both know about magic. Yeah. It was very funny because we were watching that Spider-Man trailer and then like the first thing I noticed, I was like, this doesn't seem a lot like how Doctor Strange would act. Like, why is Doctor Strange- I so- agree. I, think, I don't think that is our- Earth's Doctor Strange. However, I, somebody had a very good counterpoint, which is like, really? You mean the drunk driver? And I was like, oh, he, he, great he, he was not drunk. He was texting and driving. Still, though, like, <laughs> it's not like Doctor Strange is no, the bastion. Of- I don't, I, it's not that I think that the doing reckless magic that fucks up the multiverse is out of character. I just feel like Benedict Cumberbatch is doing a thing. He's doing a weird thing. It feels like he's doing a thing. He's it in his feels like pajamas. Yes, it feels like he's playing an alternate version of the character he created. He's in winking, the other yes. like he's doing this whole thing. Right. It's sort of like if a character winks at you and he's a good guy, I feel like that's not a great sign. Exactly. And and so maybe it's just a weird bit of the performance or whatever, but that was I had that thought immediately of like, oh, is this we already have played around with the idea now of scrolls oh yeah multiverse variants whatever like and 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 i also feel like also the spell he does is supposed to erase your memory like erase well, everybody's memory. memory everyone's memory how does it open up a multiverse like you really gotta fuck up a spell like well, so. yeah, but, the, but here's the thing we're being led down this path very purposefully of like 
constantly questioning what's the thing that's gonna fuck up the multiverse in the Doctor Strange movie because you know like and they're they're playing with us like I think there may be an explanation that we haven't even gotten yet like it seems like they're setting up all of these different possible explanations so that they can goose us with the real one when Doctor Strange oh right because Kang is not even gonna be well we know Kang is in Ant-Man he's Ant-Man he's the Ant-Man villain that's right that's he right. could be in Doctor Strange, but we here we we know Wanda now has chaos magic, which is capable of fucking up space time in the multiverse. She seems chill though. She's she's off doing her thing. Sure, she wants her kids. She wants we her know there. we know the Kangness of what happened in Loki. Yeah, yeah. Now we're setting up Doctor Strange is going to have his own wrinkle and creating some sort of problem. And he's going to have his own multiverse movie. This right. Movie. Yeah. So like, it feels like it's too much at this point. Like, it, it feels like so? all of these are, there. well, it feels like on some level, some of them have to either be fake outs or we're, we're setting up bigger stuff than just a problem with the multiverse. Oh, well, a bigger problem than a problem. The mul- that is the whole problem, Lon. When you have a problem with the multiverse, saying, it's the hugest I, problem you could I have. I think this could just be like we're like we're setting up Kang, and there's like I think there's a big reveal that we don't have yet. Well, yeah, I think what you just said is like perfect. There is like four different nexus points in which a multiverse like is weakening, or like there is a multiverse event right. happening. And like, there's four different. All of these things are factors in a bigger thing to come, and I think that you also yeah. have to look at the Fantastic Four being on the horizon. Like, they've got a lot of stuff, big moves to make still. Now, do you think that plays into, like, how do you think that the equivalent to the DC stuff? Because I see a lot of people going, well, because now they open up the Zack Snyderverse and, like, or, like, the Snyderverse thing is a thing. So it's, like, there is multiverses within DC, like, the Bizarro Worlds, but, like, we're just seeing them play out in the TV, like, Lois and... Uh, I, Lois, I think it seems like... To me, it seems like what they're doing is there's going to be DC movies, which are these big standalone event things that tend to focus on huge marquee characters that are played by big celebrities. So, But like the the, Bat- the Battinson universe is not the Batfleck universe. Right. And I think those are, the movies are, you know, think of like, I think Joker. Like, like you have to look at Joker. They're, they're big. Do I? You do. They're big because it's the best movie ever made, folks. Okay, it's there's like, a baby big, version of no, it. Their so. biggest recent standalone, unexpected, huge success. And it's it exists on a planet of its own. It doesn't have to interact. Like, people know it's the character Joker. It has the Batman legacy that you can play around with if you want to. But it doesn't have to exist as part of this, like, intricately constructed larger and apparatus. I, and I think it's better for it. Yeah. I mean, like, I well, that's I, their approach. Like there'll be Aquaman two. That's still dipping a toe in the Snyder. And Harley Quinn. The TV show and, is like very clearly based on Harley Quinn. Right. The movies, and and we're going to get this HBO max show. That's about black Canary, which still ties into the birds of prey movie, but is going to be doing its own thing on HBO max. And you had the suicide squad movie, which again, it's tacitly in the same universe as all that other stuff. Like Harley Quinn's in that. And she was in... And Amanda Waller's talked about Right, Batman. and Amanda Waller met Batman. Like, we, like so so I, they're not negating the, the fact that it's all existing in this shared universe, but I don't think they're, they're quite trying to replicate MCU anymore, where every movie is all these characters interacting and building towards these big team-ups. I think they're just kind of going and exploring all of these little pockets. And I, I really, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by what they're doing with HBO Max where it's not going to be John Cena stuff too. Right. Well, they've got that peacemaker show that they're doing with John Cena and they're doing a Gotham PD show that's spun off from the Battinson movies, but they're also doing, they're doing a black Canary original movie for HBO max. They're doing a Batgirl movie with Leslie Grace for HBO max. They're doing a blue beetle standalone movie for HBO max. 
Blue Beetle's just a DC character. If Blue Beetle was Marvel, you'd know about him. He'd have been in stuff by now. It's just DC has this, a roster that's as deep, if not deeper, than Marvel. They just haven't gotten to do it yet because everybody, they always just make Wonder Woman and Batman movies over and over again. They've made more than one Wonder Woman movie? They made two Wonder Woman movies. Okay. But she's also in Batman v Superman and Justice League, so they've sort of made four Wonder Woman movies. Oh, sorry. You say, yes, two Wonder Woman movies. Gotcha. But I mean, historically, they haven't made a ton of Wonder Woman. No, but I'm saying the, the, the DC approach seems to be... They, they don't have the either ability or the confidence or whatever. They're not doing the Shang-Chi's of DC. They're not getting their own spin-off movies. We're and never- Shang- how's Shang-Chi going to tie into this? Because it does feel like I don't know that much about his power or the, uh, the sonic rings that he has, but um, it feels <laughs> the like... The sonic rings. Yeah, like he's got the sonic well, rings. golden rings. That if you, Sorry, if you, explain when a, bad, when a bad guy hits him, they go everywhere. <laughs> They just fly out rings, all over they, the place. They go everywhere, and I can see everything. <laughs> and, he's got, and I've already seen everything. I mean, I... Uh, there's 10. There's 10 of them. They're not Sonic. They're ten. Okay. 10. How many does Sonic have? As many as you can get. Yeah, yeah, he's hundreds. I don't know where he's keeping them. That'd be a good crossover. Got, he's really got, got like a little like like short shorts on Sonic. Somebody told but. me he was playing the voice of... who's Oh, it's, it's Idris Elba. No, it's, you have Idris Elba playing the... His knuckles. Little, yeah. Yeah, of course Idris Elba's. Oh, Knuckles. You think it's British Idris Elba? I'm hoping he's just doing his regular Idris Elba voice just as Knuckles. Oh, my God. I thought Knuckles was the girl one. No, what? No. I never. I was not a Sega kid. I was a Nintendo kid. Oh, oh um, yeah, no, Knuckles is a, it's an echidna, right? Is that how you pronounce that? Not a hedgehog, like a similar mammal, but not a hedgehog. Oh, you're naming a real thing. Echidna, echidna, A-E-C-H-I-N-D-A. Are you saying a Kai berry? Are you trying to say Kai? What? No. Okay. On the topic of Kai berries, though. Yeah, no. so it's that's... a different it's a different animal but it's also a boy animal okay so there's no love interest for so- sonic no uh, no i think we're, he's we're, alone we're also alone. meeting tails but those are all there are three men but i mean listen Tails sounds like a girl's name i think tails is also a dude but listen like i don't want to be heteronormative like any of these yeah, characters could be enough. attracted to any of these other characters yeah sonic in the movie seemed like kind of aligned towards the humans anyway like he seemed yeah. like he's more interested in humanity i feel like he's pretty fluid just in a lot of different ways yeah not just in terms of his motion but yeah also which is also very or his teeth yeah which also, are... yeah <laughs> also just his outlook yeah his outlook on life uh i didn't hate sonic didn't mm. hate it that was pretty good. I did not hate it either. Once they fixed the teeth, I was all in, baby. Um, <laughs> I think I think uh, James Marsden went a long way towards just he's charming. He's so me. charming. He's, he's very charming, and he's very good at acting against like Ben Schwartz's voice and like whatever they were holding on set that they were pretending was. A I'm I'm gonna guess it was just Ben Schwartz on set, like, sort of like Chucky, like Brad Dorff, like well, just showing up on set and just yeah, doing voice. Yeah, like Ben Schwartz was off camera and they were holding like, what, look at the doll, you know, because Ben Schwartz is a lot bigger than Sonic. So. <laughs> is he? All right, can we, can we, can <laughs> you we know, go? like how Sean Gunn has to walk around on his knees when he's playing Rocket, you know? Yeah. So they look, they look. Does Bradley Cooper have to do that? No, Bradley Cooper doesn't do it. Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother, does. Why would he? Why? Wait. Bradley Cooper's a fucking busy man. <laughs> Sean Gunn's got nothing. Sean though. Gunn's like, yeah, all right, I'll help you out. Sean Gunn, that's why he gets like to be in the movies too, because that's why he's on set. You know who did that for, uh, for Suicide Squad, the new one? Steve Agee is King Shark, like. 
He was the oh one my on God, set that's so who good. was walking around. Stallone wasn't ever on set. Stallone just did the that voice. That looks like Steve. Now that I think about it, that is like the way Steve Agee would have So on. yeah, like, no dumb friends. Like that was him on set. The mustache. Yeah. That was so good. That's that, my favorite part. Was, like, that really enhances mustache. my enjoyment of that whole movie to know that it's Steve Agee. At first I thought it was the guy who's in Barry, who plays like the kind of same role in Barry. Right. Who's also in Mindhunter. That yes. guy is also a really good actor. I don't know his name, but yeah. uh, shout out to that actor. Kind of looks like, <laughs> like a young Steve Agee. I know you're talking about yeah yeah i like that guy he seems very tall um, but like, that, that yeah I, I think it's fun how he, he also finds on-screen roles yeah him. like he doesn't just make them well in one case it's his brother you got it it's right. kind of like who's also calendar man in, in the suicide squad the guy with all the, the the months on his head who's making fun of uh them in the jail the ball guy oh i didn't notice sean gunn was in, or that's sean gunn yeah i noticed that he's uh one of the ravagers but yes he's on in the ravagers and the guardians movies and he's calendar man on oh it's like sort of like um it, it's what's his name it's like redhead director's brother it's like ron howard's brother clyde clyde how was it clyde Howard. took me a second to they really should have swapped the names and there. his dad too rance howard is in stuff rance you know uh, you know Ed Wood pretty well, right? No, Ed Wood very well. So the, the old investor who comes to that party and he's oh, telling yeah. Ed Wood like, the whole thing should end with a huge explosion. That's That's no. Rance Howard, Ron Howard's father. No. Swear, true, true story. So wait, was that like an acting? Are they like the Phoenixes or the Coppolas or was that just sort of like- I think Ron? Rance Howard did used to act, but he mostly is like, he's Ron Howard's dad. So he pops up so and stuff. That's, that's cute. Yeah. That's cute. Uh, I think Clint Howard, I feel like their name should be swapped. Like, you think Ron should be Clint and Clint should be Ron? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's no way that guy's named Clint. <laughs> Why not? Clint Howard. Because Clint is like a cool guy name. Well, in many ways, the big boy never left, sir. <laughs> My favorite Clint Howard. It's uh, Austin Powers. Oh, gosh, he's yeah. The, he's, the, he's the mission control NASA guy. It is very cool when we quote Austin Powers on this show, guys. It's not like other shows where you quote Austin well, Powers. Well, but, okay. <laughs> it's only cool to quote non-Austin Powers characters. It's very yeah. uncool to quote Austin he Powers. Mike Myers characters. You can't be Dr. Evil or Austin Powers. But, or Batman. But quoting Clint, Clint Howard from Austin Powers, very cool. That is... You know what? You got me there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Now, I do want to talk about your shirt for a second. Oh, yes. Because it's very cool. Uh, it says, nominate Delroy Lindo, you cowards. Super Yaki put this out uh, around Oscar time. Can I tell you what I thought it was? Please. I thought it was a presidential shirt. <laughs> uh, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying don't nominate Delroy Lindo. And my first president. thought was, is this Congo themed? Like, <laughs> yes. we just want Americans president, America's president to be like, put that Sesame cake I down. really, yes, I was just about to say, I really would like Sesame cake to reach a new level of popularity in mainstream American culture. I feel like the best way to do that would be getting Delroy Lindo yeah. elected to national office. Yeah, I would like to say it would be, it would be great. Uh, Delroy Lindo in Congo. A movie I can't believe when Congo came out, people thought like I thought that was Tony Todd. <laughs> people really thought this movie wants to be taken seriously. No, they did the reviews of Congo when it came out were like it got trashed, and people were like, "How could Frank Marshall do this?" And I thought he produced so many good movies. Why isn't this so bad? And it's like when you go back and watch it, like how did people not get the joke right away? I, the whole thing, and not only that, but like not to be a big deal about it, but I did just finish our John Patrick Shanley songs over on Cinema Bias. Uh, and I think I feel like I get to know him pretty well, although Calendar Man being the exception. 
<laughs> January Man. January Man. God damn it. I do think it's Sean Gunn's character. That's the clue, but no, it's... They it's, catch him in January, so yeah, he's the January it man. It makes no sense because January, <laughs> he's not the January man. We, listen, I honestly feel like we should maybe start a podcast that's just us talking about the film The January Man. I do want to talk about January Man because- This could movie, go on for hours. I have so many things to talk because about. Because of the ending in which it's revealed that the whole time you've been watching this maniac serial killer go around uh, doing these, these what's his name? Uh, God, my brain is dying today. He's doing these- uh, Bad guy in, in Sherlock. He's doing these Moriarty Moriarty level things of like, yeah. but then he, it turns out he's just a dude we've never met before, a character we've never met in blackface. Yeah, that's that's it's such a weird decision. There's so many weird decisions. That's the thing that's so fascinating. It's not just that it's a bad movie. There's a million. Well, I do have the script on me. There's a million bad movies. It's what's fascinating is how many decisions he reaches that are just like the wildest decision that don't ever make sense or come back to anything. Yeah. It's just a weird decision. Like there's Kevin Klein has a whole bit throughout the whole movie that's like I, he likes making meals for people. Gross meals. But he wants to make food that's purposefully going to disgust and upset them. Because that way it like will show that they're game for dating him. It doesn't make any... He, there's there's like two scenes where he tries to explain his thinking and yeah. it never quite makes he, sense. Is he supposed to be like... He's supposed to be like Sherlock. He Yes. He's supposed to be this like... He's a brilliant detective, but he's also like Goofy. super distracted and, and very like eccentric. Weird. And his brother and, set him up for fucking... His well, I, that I don't get either. There was something about his, his brother... His brother set him up to get like... His brother was in league with the mayor. To and, look corrupt. And yes. there was something about a check that was yes. left. A blank check. Check or something. Yeah, that that's was, the end of the movie. Was Susan Sarandon but it, just goes? Never, but do you understand what happened with the check and like the yes. significance of the check? Yes, I do because I listened to the how did this get made about it. Oh, okay. But the significant it was it was very brief. It was just that that was the check the mayor had written to like pay off the brother, but they kind of framed it so like this you was wouldn't the, really bribe a cop with a personal check. Absolutely, would you? Absolutely not. Not only that, but if they had found the check, it would have just been like from the mayor. Like, yeah, like what is it like in the memo he put for corruption? Like what? <laughs> What does I, this prove? I'm saying that it doesn't make any sense. Okay, okay. Uh, that, that was what I'm saying. Like, I just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they keep saying, like, oh, well, then you left the check there. Like, they don't even say that many times. So when she just hands it to him at the end, like, you're like, what, what check? Check? Like, what? The, what? What? And I thought she was paying him for the services of solving the crime. And then there's this whole other thing where, like, Alan Rickman is. Oh, I thought he did it. Kevin Klein's sure. friend, who's gay an friend. artist, his gay friend, who's an artist, and Kevin Klein always insists on. He's got to be with me. And at first, I thought it was going to be that Kevin Klein is not a detective and the real, real brain is Alan Rickman. And that's why I like I had this whole other movie in my head. Oh, where I it's like, oh, they're going to reveal that Alan Rickman's the detective. And that's why he needs to secretly keep oh, him around. I had the other one. I was like, Alan Rickman did it. I was like, he's so clear. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Alan fucking Rickman. But both of us are doing this because it doesn't make sense to have him there because he doesn't have any other role to play. My, like, my theory is that he created a movie that had, like Clue, like eight different endings. Susan Sarandon did it. Harvey Keitel did it. Uh, Rod Brown Steiger. Rickman. Any Rod of them could have done it. Right. Any of the characters we meet during the Danny events. Danny Aiello. Danny Aiello, probably. <laughs> Danny Aiello's character. It's He's, so serious. He, he only has one beat, which is come in screaming at the top of your lungs infuriated. And then get placated. But get placated. Like every scene ends in the same way where it's like, all right, I'll come back next week. Like you were just furious you were, like, you were like basically threatening to like hurt his mother you, i think you were gonna like beat this guy up two minutes ago and now you're like okay that sounds good we'll talk again like what the hell is 
on. He's like he's like a blustery Commissioner Gordon. It's uh, it's absolutely insane. So I, everyone go see. To go January see Man. in your local cinema. Go see January Man. It's this on, is, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. I think you can all, watch it for free. This is all to say that when he did Congo, which I was a couple of years after, you have to remember that he did uh, January Man right after he won from Moonstruck. So he was up on his high horse. This was and, his follow up to Well, that makes Moonstruck. sense because like that's like when you get like your blank check movie. But what this is what you do. I like, guess, no, but, nobody's gonna tell you no. You would think you'd get like another rom com. I mean, I have the script, so I have the script, and I was wondering maybe the blackface was like. No, I saw movie. you looked up the black, like the origins of. It's the to black see if it was face. in the script because yeah. it makes no sense. It, it was just not. it was Kevin Klein's uh, stunt double. I found that out, so I was like, maybe this was just added in by the director because it's never explained. They never even comment on it. Well, it would make sense if it was added at the last second because there's it also it's accompanied by an incredibly long like, sequence it's a where they comedy. Where they're falling down stairs. Yeah. And the sequence is, it's played like as if it was at the end of a Kevin Klein comedy where he's playing like a bumbling detective. Yeah, he's asking people like, how how am I doing? Right, but that's not, this movie hasn't been that. So it feels very weird. It it, it has from his, like from every scene that he's been in, it has been that. It's just not been that for anybody else in this movie who's been treating this like a very serious film. One one more thing to bring up about Jay before we we should move on. But I do. Do we? Should we? Maybe we shouldn't, but I do want to ask about this. The, do you think today there would be any way to do a movie where a guy gets brought in to solve a huge, shocking crime, and his first and the hero he's the hero, and his first action is to try and seduce the mayor's daughter who was a witness to the crime? Like, is there any way you could make yeah. that work as yeah. a movie? Yeah, because we have Joker, we have antiheroes. Yeah, there's absolutely the p- bad lieutenant port of call New Orleans. Yeah, of course, there's a thing. That the issue is, do you have to make it so he's constantly remarking about how young she is and how that's like kind of not something he's into, but he's going to go Which is home. also weird because I believe Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio was older. Was older. So yeah. like they're, they're pretending that she's young even though they didn't have to. One like, of the funniest things on how this could made is like, yeah, he meets, he sees her at the funeral and then immediately runs into her after she goes directly from her best friend's funeral uh, to the ice skating rink. Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, as you would do. But he's just, he's so open. It's not like... He's not even deep, trying to seduce her almost. Like it's almost like... He openly is. Oh yeah, but it's like they're kind of, I didn't want to say this. I almost said somebody's name here, but uh, it's like that blatant kind of seduction where you almost are like, well, it's not like creepy because he's being very upfront. Um, right. He's he's extremely he's extremely upfront. He's I, like I guess Sherlock. He's in like the one. in the moment. I think that's probably how Shanley excused it. Like, well, this could be read as creepy, but he's going to be so forthright about it. Yeah. That it'll cut through the creepiness. And then and he's going to be like, he's just very direct. I still thought it played pretty creepy. But yeah, right. And he keeps mentioning about how young she is. That although again, the actress is not young. He's it's like, just, and just, he's saying he's not into it. And he's like, also you're on top, which is something I'm not into. Yeah. And it's it just he's it's so it's so immediate. It's like he gets the case. So this is the first there's no like look for a few clues and then he's be got like, his methods he, Lon, he's, he needs he's to immediately ass- like i better seduce this 20 year old yeah the witness and the only person that might even be a, a suspect the only the only person of interest in the entire case who also happens to be my friend's daughter a lot friend's daughter no no the the, 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 the mayor crumb. like it's he's, he's his, associate, his colleague First of all, a disgraced cop's colleague is not because remember he's been kicked off the floor. He's floor. just been hired by the guy whose daughter he's now seducing. Sure, sure. That's it, all I'm pointing you, out. Sure, I'm going to go immediately turn around after getting hired under this case and seduce the daughter of the guy who hired me, who's half my age. Well, yeah. maybe not half my age. Yeah, I think it's uh, supposed to be like two thirds of my age. Right, right. And the other thing is that uh, he's a disgraced cop who's been uh, you know called out for corruption. It was really he's now working as a fireman. fireman. <laughs> He's ridiculous. Been, he's been demoted to fireman. The so. idea that you would go from being a cop to a fireman. Well, like you, can't, you can't do grift. 
You can't do grifted a fire. <laughs> you cannot embezzle from the fire. This is That's how true. we're going. We're going to do to Cuomo. He's going to become a fireman for a while. <laughs> Then he can become a cop, and that's how we. <laughs> it's just—it's so crazy the idea that we're gonna like, recall Newsom. Yeah, Newsom. you would get fired for being a cop. You'd be like, "Well, I guess I guess fireman's next in line." Then you I don't go, even get to decide; they then, just move you unions. Then I go work at the post office. This is the order of civil service jobs. <laughs> this is this is how the unions work, Lon. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a bizarre. It's one of the craziest movies like, I think I've ever seen. It actually. is. It is almost like so. Here's my thought about January Man: is that it was in his lot, like in his. Uh, mind this was a compendium to moonstruck like this was like because it's about the two brothers like uh, nominally it's about these two brothers that are at right. war yeah you know and it's got these very new york but even danny ao is the brother in it's moonstruck. an italian family saga for sure and the, the accents are like it feels like kevin klein was sort of looking at nick cage and going well he did a silly voice <laughs> klein's accent he does it sometimes and then sometimes he's just like but that, not into it today but he's but, doing a theater accent yeah but it's also really funny that, that he's playing like Kevin Klein and Harvey Keitel are playing brothers. They couldn't. They could not. In, in movies where there's Danny yeah. Ayo and other and Rod yeah. and other people that could have been the but, brother. Like even Vin Diesel and John Cena and F9, you're more like I buy these two as brothers yeah. more than more than Klein and Keitel. Well, I mean, you would just need one line about like the Nordic chin or someone being adopted in that family. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely bizarre to expect us to believe these two guys are brothers. And exactly because they're they're also acting in different genre pieces. So, oh, like, they're totally Klein- yeah. They're, every, every performance I feel like is some. There are scenes with Rod Steiger and Danny Aiello where it does it feels like just like a New York and, theater piece oh, where they're just in a room screaming oh, and at Kytel, each other and Kytel too he just feels like he's just so locked into the, the, the they are screaming at each other like they are doing mammoth off Broadway they are like, doing mammoth off Broadway that's true and Kytel's like coming in with his like Scorsese thing yeah it is correct because then like the next scene will he's be like he's bad lieutenant I'm realizing Kytel is just doing his bad lieutenant Kytel is just the bad lieutenant yeah. from, the, from the April Ferrara film yeah. yeah and then but it'll go from that to like Kevin Klein doing a bit in the next scene. Basically like doing his thing from, what's the Tracy Ullman movie? And this was also mentioned. Uh, I Love You to Death. Yeah, he's doing that level of like, I love a spaghetti. Yeah, that right. <laughs> when he's doing his Italian accent, he's doing the I Love You to Death. Like, hey, mama mia, abundanza. Yeah, like, it's, he's doing that it's stuff. so intense. And guys, just one last note to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> close this out. I mean, besides the blackface stuff, in which they end up rolling so, this guy up in a wild. rug. It's, Can I just, I, you know what I wanted? I, you know what I do want to read? I do want to no, read what read the a, stage read a selection. Well, I all the blackface stuff was like when I was watching it at first, it it's so confusing. The idea that because they they they've been after this killer the whole time, they catch him in the act, they're wrestling around. You see the guy's face, and you could tell right away that there's something like the guy's face doesn't look right. At no point I was just like, oh, like, I was I was like, oh wow, the first black person in this movie. And then I, at, no point, at no point was I like, this man is black. Like the idea in the movie is that he's putting this on his face so that people will think that the suspect. But that's is never said black. out loud. In fact, it's we never, never said out loud. Never nothing because it's a new character. We don't know anything about him, and we never find out anything I'm, about him. I'm making that presumption that he's he's hoping to disguise his identity, and that's why he's doing this. But, but why? Like, who would have seen him? The whole point is no one catches him. I I don't know. I'm just offering you the best that I can. Mm-hmm. At no point was my eye fooled. You're immediately like, this is a guy with dirt. I thought that he was just like, why does he have dirt on him? So here's what like, I- Like, I thought maybe it was he was like hiding in the build, like in the, the, like, 
he was inside the building he's also in like wearing the crawl like, space. But he's also wearing like white gloves, like somebody yeah. who's a circus it, magician. It, it absolutely, it just, I'm saying like it, the moment when you're watching it, it doesn't make visual sense. Like you're not even able to figure out what you're looking at. It's so confusing. And then he and, he and Klein start wrestling and it becomes this weird comic thing. It took me until the end of the scene to even realize he was in blackface as opposed to like he's a chimney sweep or he just got beat up really bad and thrown in a ditch okay. versus like all the other reasons you could be smudged like that. I mean, it's- It well, doesn't even really read as makes, blackface. And so what I thought was maybe they just were trying to differentiate between him and his stunt doubles or something else and that it was a bad choice by the director or something. Then I- I mean, bought, it is a bad choice by the director. <laughs> I bought the script, guys. So best fifteen dollars. Also a bad movie. choice by the writer. They just have to be. Are they the same guy? Did Chandler direct? No, of course not. No, no. He's directed three movies. The latest of which being Wild Mountain Time. The sec- the first of which I think was Joe versus the volcano. Yes, that makes. sense. And the second of which was Doubt, which was also a play ah, that he right. created. Yes, yes. His filmography, man, is it's wild. Wild. I think we're going to <laughs> not not to be like we're going to do the blank check thing because we're focusing on on writers and directors. But I, I think we might go to Mangold next because we just want to mm. find people with the craziest. Yeah, Mangle's got some wild. Yeah. Mangle's all over. I want to find the schizophrenic, like people who are. I can't tell if they're journeymen or like what are they doing here because their filmographies just span. There's just there's so much less of that today. There used to be this whole category of Hollywood director where that they would just do whatever, like they would jump around and make a lot of different kinds of movies and different styles and genres. It used to be like a perfectly legitimate way to be a director. Mm-hmm. It's only now that directors have become, because directors mm-hmm. didn't used to always be like brand names like that. I like, think that's why writers are like kind of interesting one to. Right, yeah. like, like in the 60s and 70s, some directors were, you know, like Hitchcock was a brand name, mm-hmm. but like Sergio Leone was a brand name, but like. John Ford was a brand name. But, most well, but, even, were... but even that, like there are a lot of different kinds of John Ford movies. Like he did a lot of Westerns, well, but he did a lot of Because you'd be signed to a studio and, and the studio would just tell you what movie you were going to do. Right, exactly. But like a lot of it was just the the branding was the the actors or the genre or the style. Mm-hmm. And like, you wouldn't even know who the director was going to be. So like, yeah, we, we've done that now more, more now where it's like, well, Jordan Peele is like, okay, it's going to be a Jordan Peele movie. I know what and that is. And it's probably a little bit less for it because I don't know what that is. <laughs> like that's what a Jordan Peele movie is. There's only two, and they're they're they've got a lot in common. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, this is a whole other conversation about yeah. like how I felt about us and how I feel about his Twilight Zone and how I feel like a little bit like his ADHD. I just mean like it's a it's an expectation we bring to it now, where yeah. it's like when we hear John Favreau has a new movie, we're like, oh, it's gonna be like big IP th- and effects think, and sci-fi fantasy. Do you think maybe what we're talking about now, I could see this applying now to studios and or producers, like the Bloomhouse thing or the A24 right. thing. Like yeah. we go into an A24 film, like I'm about to see Green Knight tonight and it's going to be like, oh, I have an expectation about what the aesthetic of this movie is, if not the, like I have an idea that this movie is going to bill itself as horror while not being a traditional kind of horror film. That's going to look a certain way. That it's going to be like kind of like how Saint Maud. Like it's yeah. It all has to follow this thing that I think Hereditary and, and the I, Witch I think, set for. Yeah, I think I think you have to be like that now because there's so many choices and entertainment is so mm-hmm. niche and varied that you have to let people know what they're getting. So when you see Candyman, we're like, that's a Jordan Peele type. Right. He's it, producing it. You used to have like three options. People would just go to the movie theater and see whatever was playing next. Like there were just, there were four movies playing at a time or six movies playing at a time. There were four networks on your TV. It's like, what what do you pick? Or or that or you're reading a book. And it's weird. What's weird about that is that it feels like that's the, not the time where people needed to be locked into contracts that would demand that they only work for one studio because there's only four to work for. Now I could see it being like, 
Bloomhouse is like, Ethan Hawke, you're not allowed to work anywhere else except like Bloomhouse. Like, I could see that being a thing. It and, may like, get back. Who knows? Jordan I mean, Peele's like, you know, Daniel Kaluuya, you're only allowed to well, work with like Monkey Paw Productions. I mean, you may look at like now that because it is getting more integrated like that. So, you know, like it's there's like going to be. the directors are known for these Anatoly Taylor and well, and, and, and all these companies own platforms, you know, like Disney has Disney Plus and that that is what they're doing with creators. So it's like. It's what they're doing with ScarJo. Yeah, okay. so it's like Shonda Rhimes, you come here and you make Ryan Netflix Murphy. stuff now. Yeah. Ryan Murphy, you come Well, the Ryan Murphy's still, he's kind of playing the but, FX game as well, but but like. Yeah, but he got like that sign. Or like Kenya Barris was going to do Netflix and then he jumped from Netflix and now he's doing BET Studios. And it's like, so they are doing that with creators now and it, it may end up happening with, with cast I just, again. I don't even understand how we allow James Gunn, somebody who was, they tried to cancel for the second Guardians. We allow him to do DC and Marvel? That seems crazy to me. Like, you shouldn't be allowed to do DC and Marvel as a creator. Like, there are no, no. rules, man. But, like, one of those two companies should have a proprietary thing where it's like, no, you make one for us or one for the other guys. Like, they'd have to pay them more, you know. I don't know. It feels like, yeah, you lock them down under contract. Or you just, like, say you can't make the next one. Well, Guardian. I don't think he would have made the Suicide Squad if Had... Disney hadn't oh, let him go right. from Guardians 3. He would have oh. been working on Guardians 3. Oh, that's right. Is he not doing Guardians 3? No, he's back now. They, they, they made up. So while, after he signed the Suicide Squad deal. That's right, that's right. Disney agreed to let him come back and do Guardians 3. And also and he's while. Do, so he's doing them back to back. So now that Suicide Squad's done, he's he's on Guardians 3 now. You know, like, I just think also in terms of, the, again, the actors, people like, when we go back to the model of having John Cena and Dave Batista and The Rock, they're used to those W, like the WWE yeah, like right. model well, of they, like being locked into a contract with no health insurance and no like safety net. <laughs> they're used to it. You at might least as well. give Batista health insurance, guys. I'm saying on. everyone should get health insurance. I'm just saying it's not like you're going to be working with a, a, a team here that doesn't know like what it's like to be signed into like a lot. No, I mean, I think what, what the ScarJo- I'm not saying that we should do this. No, I'm saying I think this could be coming because what, what the ScarJo lawsuit says is right now the system's broken. Like- the studios and these big media companies and tech companies, they're very incentivized to make stuff and then just put them on these streaming platforms because they're collecting subscription revenue and they want to beat these other platforms. Like, like the writer strike all over again. Right. They have a vested interest in, I want to draw people to Paramount Plus or to Peacock or to whatever. But the actors don't have any vested interest in that. Their compensation is tied to what the movies make in theaters. So it benefits Disney to put Black Widow on Disney Plus, but it doesn't benefit Scarlett Johansson. So whatever the next era of contracts, whatever Emma Stone signed for Cruella 2, yeah. that's now going to become the standard or whatever the Rocks deal was for Jungle Cruise. But do you think he made that the decision before the... the well, whatever. When they... Like somebody asked him, like, are you ever going to sue Disney like what ScarJo did over Jungle Cruise? And he was like, no, we already worked this all out behind the scenes. So I don't know what they worked out. Probably but, some sort of back end deal that like, again, the residuals would have to come in from. Or yeah, what if some sort of rev share based on what they earn on Disney Plus or some sort of flat fee based on viewership? Who knows? We don't have access to any of the data that they have. I mean, but how I did you even do that? Like, but Jesus. I think one of the things that we'll see is, well, it might make more sense rather than figuring this out every time you want The Rock to make a movie and you don't know where to put it. Maybe the contracts will just become like, we're going to sign... Dwayne The Rock Johnson to make four Amazon projects. And he's going to get this flat rate to make those movies. We, we're already seeing this. I'm saying this like it's speculative, but it's already happening. Daniel Craig got $100 million for his two Knives Out movies from Netflix because there's no back end. They're just giving it to him up front. 
that's it's so weird. But like, what if you want to become a producer on one of those films with a lot of these actors? Well, do? he is. I'm, I'm assuming Craig is going to be listed as an well, exact producer you, on Knives Out too. Then you do get a back end, don't you? Isn't that what producers get? These not with these new deals. There is no back end when you're on Netflix. They don't open them in theaters. The back end is the well, end. Like, well, like, well, like, what's just, the equivalent of the um, rerun or like the residual? That's what I'm saying. There, there's none of that. Netflix is saying you won't get any checks later. Once you make this and we have it, it's ours forever. No. So we're going to pay you a lot more up front so you're not waiting for more money later. So, we're just okay. going to cut you a check to make this movie and then you're, what, you leave us alone. Why aren't you and incentivized with, then to make the shittiest like product possible and be like, who cares? Like, fuck you guys. You mean like Detective Crashmore? Like, you, get your, you get your two what, million, that's your Or like your Adam rate. Sandler, like whatever he's doing. Because yeah. you don't want to do a bad... Oh, yeah, want but to be saying, in a like, movie where what, it does a really bad job. Well, what's the incentive? Well, what incentivizes you to want a franchise or like to be part of a franchise because daniel craig wouldn't have gotten a hundred million dollar payday if knives out wasn't something netflix really wanted right but knives out wasn't created with the idea that it was well, so be you'd make though. one netflix movie or you'd make a couple netflix projects and then if it does really well and people like it and it's super popular they want to sign you to do more okay okay i guess what my point is is i guess in this model I guess it would work less for TV stuff, the streaming stuff, like whatever they're giving Hiddleston, like that makes less sense to me then. Why not just create these one-off projects because that way you get paid up front. I just think so much is dependent on the back end. Like they must be doing back ends for writers, right? Producers. I don't think screenwriters usually get a taste of the back end unless they're big enough to already Or showrunners or like... Yeah, well, uh, I mean, again, this all depends. Like there are newbie writers and showrunners and you get terrible deals because you're just excited to be in the room. But then, you know, there are like Mike Schur is a showrunner and like when he's doing it, you know, when Greg Daniels is coming into something new, he's going to get a much different deal because he's a very established guy. So when they're saying that Ryan Murphy signs like a hundred million dollar Netflix deal, they're saying that that is signed with the idea that he's not going to get anything after it comes out, no matter how popular it is. It depends on what's built into the contracts. But yeah, the idea is if they're like, we just re-signed Ryan Murphy to create new shows for us for the next two years and he's going to get 300 million, that 300 million is what he gets. And this is my point. I think that's how you end up with Ryan Murphy type content. I think that's how you end up with things that are half baked because they're just like, yeah, what's the fucking matter? Like, I'm just going to create a next one and next one. Like, I mean, listen, we may may see that. Well, I think that's also the, the, I mean, you're you're not wrong, but I think that there's also a very big, quality control difference between a place like FX. Have you seen The Prom? I mean, that movie was terrible. But I mean, we know for a fact Netflix is churning out so much more content that they're not workshopping all of it as closely as like John Landgraf is on FX where he he releases, you know, a handful of new things every season. I love John Landgraf. He's obsessively, you know, monitoring all of them. I have to say, uh, I have a special affinity in my heart for, for, I thought it was Landgraf. It's Landgraf? Landgraf? I want to say it ends with an F. Uh, He's great. One time I was at the New York Observer, he, his assistant called me and she was like, so John has a story for you because I used to run a TV vertical. And I was like, great, what, what's the story? Or I ran the entertainment section. He goes, he wants to write about um, New York bridges and how much they, they figure into pop culture and like what a big... Sure. And I was like, I, and I don't think he ever turned it in or submitted anything. It was just like an idea that he had. Uh-huh. But I just do love that I got a call from the president of FX being like, yeah. I want to write an essay about like the, the importance yeah. of New York bridges. Maybe it was like coming up against, betting up against the Me Too stuff and he had a lot of stuff about Manhattan or Woody. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Yeah. But like, so. or maybe his people just decided it wasn't a good idea. But I just love the idea that he's just sitting around being like, 
you make a good essay. Like, I'm mm. not doing anything between my Fargo deals. And right, but that that's, he's, there's like this creative mind who's mm-hmm. sitting in an office who he's every, very, yeah, he's like Figgy or and, something. And, yeah, and, and like, you know, Reservation Dogs comes across his desk and he's not just going to be like, yeah, that looks pretty good. He's going to like really put some effort and thought into like, what should this be? He, he's and, the model, I think. Yes. He's the and, model. And, and I think Netflix is, you know, it's a different business model and they're just, they got to crank shit out. They got new shit every week. I am so trying to think of like some what, of it's going to be a little bit disposable, and some of it's going to be more. What's their brand like? I'm trying to even think now. What is the brand of Netflix Originals? No, there isn't one. It's everything. That, it's the, just like the, the Netflix sink. brand is there. There's something for everyone, and we know so much about your tastes already that we're going to serve you up the best of what we've got for you. I feel, and, it, and it works really well. Does for most it? People. I feel like I haven't I've watched anything. I haven't purposely gone to Netflix to watch a specific title. I really like Brand New Cherry Flavor. Oh, I, feel I, like, that, I yeah. feel like you would like it. You should check that one out. But like for someone like my mom, Netflix is perfect because she'll just go. They know based on what she's watched. Like, oh, you'll probably like, you know, Dead Like Me or whatever. Yeah, Dead Like Me is another you know, Dead Like oh, or, um, What's the one with the, the other one? With you me? like Grace and Frankie or, you know, like they know enough about her. To, they, they've got content that'll appeal to her. And well, what's the one with the, the chick, or the two chicks, Christina Applegate? That's what I was, is that not Dead Like Me, Dead no, to Me? No, it's like dead, dead, to me? To, dead to Me. Dead to Me. Dead yeah. Like Me is another show where you're right, with Manny Patinkin. Yes, you're right. You're right. But then what's the other one that was like a TV movie or like a Netflix original movie with Peter Dinklage and Gone Girl? I care a lot. That one was great. I feel like I that got buried. It. I was like, this is a It's great- a tough, it's one of those movies where people, they, for some reason, people have a really hard time with this now where it's like, if the main character of a movie is, is a fe- bad. Well, if she's a female it, bad. It's, 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 this is much more, this is exactly. They don't have a problem with like a, a, like a dude being bad. In there him. are still cases like that, but I agree. It's much more exaggerated when it's a female character and they are. The, it, 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 the assumption Especially is Grossman like Pike. the movie is saying this character is good. No. And I, I do think I care a lot. It, it, towards the end, it does get a little like yeah. she's got one monologue, one VO at the end where it's like lions and lambs. And it's like, is the movie too on her side? No. But I didn't think for the most part it was. On no, her I side. think I think it, it just shows her as a completely deplorable person. She clearly got this after gone. Her whole thing is that she she bilks uh, old people out of their money by by putting them like by right. taking out. I mean, talking about By like, abusing the conservatorship system. I mean, yeah. there there literally could be more, not more of an evil sort of character in today's landscape than someone who's but abusing the, conservatorship. But it, it is. It's not black and white. The movie's it definitely kind of the it, movie. The, I, here's what I took from it. I thought it was kind of saying we live in such a corrupt, ruined world and culture that the only way for this person to make it oh. would would be to cheat the rules, and it's just. It's she's just an extreme example. No, I didn't get that at all. That the world was made up like that. I think in in her mind, that's I, her. That's her Walter White I, version see, of it. I don't it. think the Breaking Bad. I think is aware of how shitty Walter White is oh, in this, a way that this movie does not oh, acknowledge. I it likes her. This movie likes Rosamund Pike a lot more than Breaking Bad likes. I, I think especially this, by the last season I think but I think this show goes out of its way begin, the movie goes out of the way from this the beginning this was like to be a like, season three where it's like I don't know about this one she is shown to be a, this character is shown to be completely deplorable like in terms of what she does for a living she the, has yes. she has some she, she has some good qualities in terms of her right that, you're, you're saying what I'm saying what she's doing is terrible how the movie feels about her is not as bad as what she's doing 
But the I think movie the, has sympathy for her, even as she. Does I think I think it's successful. You need to create a, a an interesting protagonist. Is and by the way, it's not like they do so much to have sympathy for her. It's like she's got a girlfriend. That's about it. She's got a girlfriend. She's, that she's in love with. You're spending a lot of time in her perspective, and I, I'm agreeing with you. I liked the movie, and I don't think it went too far. But I do get the. I, I do get. I think that it's likely to throw people because. Yeah. Because it is it is showing a lot of sympathy and understanding for a character who's doing objectively right. Terrible I see what you're saying. Like halfway through, the kind of flips on her, and she's the one being the exactly. harassed and stuff. And I think, but, it's, but she it's conscious. Point, it's conscious on the part of the filmmakers that it's like we're going to pit this bad person against other bad people. And at any point, by the way, just like Breaking Bad, she can she can just like walk away, but right. she chooses not to. Yes. So. And 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 that's where the tension comes from. Is like we recognize that all of these people, in their own way, are bad people, and, and it's, it's about their interactions. But I don't know. I it's I, kind of like I think you feel about it the way that I felt about Doctor Sleep, which is like, wow, they're really making Rebecca Ferguson very sympathetic. That movie just seemed like I, if you watch that movie, I don't disagree with you at all here. I feel like I watched Doctor Sleep, and I was like, that movie is about a poor psychic woman who is like the last of her tribe, and she's trying to hold her family together, and she keeps getting stalked by an evil. I like I like that in Doctor Sleep that it yeah. does have a lot of sympathy for her. Like you, yeah, you, she, and like she and murders a child in one scene, but by the end, you're still like, oh, yeah, and this, this little black. <laughs> girl and Uma Gregor are torturing her in her she mind just, palace. Listen, she just wanted to wear her hat. She, she just, just wanted to live. She just wanted to keep her family she's alive. She's just a hat. You know. She's that well, rose the hat. She's a hat. I mean, I would say like I think the big tip off on uh why well, can't I remember? I name? care a lot. I care a lot is a, that title is pretty indicative. But also hiring Roseman Pike is a big it's a flag. Tip. Of course. Of it's course. a big flag because it's like what's the most unlikable female character in recent memory that people were so divisive about? And like what her role was, was, was her own Gone Girl and the right. character of Amy. And that's, I think it, it is a similar thing that happens in Gone Girl where because she has that very compelling voiceover and yeah. she delivers it so well and it's like maybe the most memorable sequence from the film. Well, that and the Tookie Hauser fucking I, Right. I think people read that as the movie's perspective, that the movie is, is her. Yes. And like she's the hero and that's the hero's journey. And like- I don't think Fincher means it that way. No. In fact, I mean, the book is very much about like, I mean, she's the villainess, but since I guess the thing is, I think maybe, and this is why I think it goes back to gender. Like people aren't confused when you have a male anti-hero doing bad things like the Joker and you're like, Oh, they oh. are. It's a different kind of confusion, but they you're are. Right, you're right. You're it's right. It's the same guys who are like Tyler Durden's the hero you're of that movie. Actually, you know what? I re, I revamp, I retake my statement back. You're absolutely right. The issue is, when they're presented as a hero and they're the men, even though they're terrible people, they're embraced. They're embraced, yes. and people take the wrong. It's things the Rick from Sanchez. Yes, yeah, it's, yes. it's the Rick Sanchez. The show is about how he's a bastard and a terrible guy, but the the lesson that dum dums draw from it yeah. is emulate him. He's the coolest. I did have this conversation because you know last night, yesterday on Twitter, uh, this became a big thing. Was Tyler Durden was trending because somebody tweeted out? Yes, uh, I, I did. I did. See so this. I had a I had an interesting conversation. Well, with well, let's say read the read the tweet. Read okay, the tweet. I'll read the tweet. Let's see. It's the the red flag, green flag film thing, and which right? reminds me of my favorite ever like starter pack. One of those memes on mm-hmm. the internet, like uh, if you if you idolize these characters, you're taking the wrong thing away from this movie starter pack. Yeah, it's like a picture of Patrick Bateman. The tweet is. I have to get past all the stuff we were talking about. I don't about. really, I don't really believe there are. I believe there are green flag films. This is what somebody was getting on me. If yeah. get, I don't think there really are red flag films. I, I guess there are a few. I guess it's more like if you see a guy and his dating profile says this is his favorite movie, that is a red flag. Yeah. Movie. Okay, I could see that. So here's the tweet. 
Um, hey, film Twitter, I got a question. And this was phrased very positively. Mm-hmm. We all know red flag movies, Fight Club, The Joker, et cetera, that we can spot on site. And I do believe she's talking about like in a dating profile sense. Probably. Uh, but is there any green flag movies? Movies that you hear someone say that you ma- that makes you instantly like or trust a person. So if someone's saying, right. this is my favorite film. And I, I shared it and I, I said Death Becomes Her. Oh, that's a great one. I just think it's it's movies that that if somebody else likes that movie, you know that they share some sort of more unconventional or quirky aspect of your personality. Or I, I would, I even read it as if they like this movie, their worldview aligns with the movie's right. worldview, which is like, for me, like short term 12, even though it's not my favorite movie, that movie is so warm hearted and has such a right. positive. Exactly. And, and to me, like, yeah, I think it can be, it can be a lot of these things. Like, like Dolomite is another movie that I think of, not the, the original, the, the, my name is Dolomite yeah, yeah. because it's, it's sweet and it's, Kind, it, it's about movies, but in a way that is very warm-hearted and humane. You know what I'm realizing having this conversation? That this is, I think, specifically geared towards women looking at men's dating profiles. It probably is. Because yes. this is like, this isn't just like a conversation about like, oh, what movies would someone say they like? And you'd be like, oh, I'd get along with this person. This is like, if they say this is their favorite movie on a dating profile, what like what would be the red flag? And you're like, very obviously, if people are like, uh, you know, Scarface, Spike Club, all these kind of movies that are like the the... If a guy has that as their favorite movie, that's what they're putting out in the world is their favorite thing. And you're like, this person probably has the wrong uh, set of values for me. Even right. if those movies are objectively good. Fight Club is an objectively good movie. I actually right. like Joker. Putting it out in the world is your thing that you want to promote, especially in a dating sense, is like a red flag. It's also, it's, it, it speaks a little bit, I think, in 2021. To a what kind of person? Obliviousness. A like, yeah. if I'm a guy and I'm putting on a dating profile... Hey, my favorite movie's Fight Club. Like, I either don't know that a lot of other people have kind of decided that this is a movie that's a little out of step with how they see the world, or I know that and I'm putting it on there specifically well, it's like a to like poster. hit those buttons. Yeah. And in either case, you would want to avoid me. And, like, uh, and honestly, like, you would, there's no more of the Fincher movies you could put on. You couldn't even like negate it by being like, I, I like Fight Club and I like uh, Seven and I like. I mean, you know. Zodiac is the one, my man. Put man. Zodiac on there. I'm just saying. So I read this as red flag in the dating sense because that's usually when we talk about red flags, we're talking about dating. Sure. Or, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely like meeting a new person. I, I guess I could. I, could, I guess I red could flag. Yeah, it, but friends. I still think Death Becomes Her works. I, I think, think that me. works. I think that works. To in, me, that just indicates like we probably have a similar sense of humor and sensibility I feel like, like if you I like read death becomes dark on weird your, i feel like if you read death becomes i'm being straight honest if i read that on a dating profile i'd be like oh so you're like gender fluid or you're or you're gay right because it is very like the, you know like you could see meryl meryl is, and goldie and isabella rossellini and they're being fashion and fabulous well, it's, and, it's very high camp and it's campy Right, I, I, I do. I get. I feel that like it's too. also like a gay cult classic film. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I it might be. I, I think it is, or at least. Uh, every... I just, I just think of it as it's a movie that a lot of people found off-putting and over the top, and it's a deep cartoonish cut. and weird, and it's a little bit of a deep cut, and it's, but it's also like I personally love. So it. is that what you would put on your like? Let's just say again, this is a dating. I don't profile know if I would put Death Becomes Her on a dating profile, mainly because I feel like 
people wouldn't know it and I would see I wanna, like I want to see if my okay I'd be did. I'd be worried about picking something that people thought was too obscure and I was trying to like show off or oh I did that all the time I'm gonna try to find my old okay Cupid I don't think I would ever put I, I usually don't put movies on there because I don't oh I did I did all the time I think it's like an a, asshole it's like a thing I'm I'm oversensitive about like I feel like I'm so defined by that and I talk about movies so much like I don't want to be like I'm the movie guy I you know what I think that like I specifically have a thing where like I was always like I'm gonna put like my asshole movie opinion and they're gonna be so deep cut and it's gonna yeah. be like it's just gonna be like, I gotta I'm I gotta I gotta draper this shit. I can't just like you're you're you could just put a photo on there and a brief description of people like lining up out the door for me. Yeah, well, I yeah, gotta like, like I was like just I was trolling people. Basically. I gotta like have a like I gotta have a whiteboard. I have to have rehearsed this pitch. Like this is this is a this is all or nothing for me. So Oh, no, I, I can't can... mess around on a dating site profile. Oh no, I can't. Apparently, go back to my OK Cupid one. But I, can be- I bet I can tell you what was on there. Just to... because again, I'm a chick, so it doesn't matter as much. Exactly. But be... I gotta like Kodak Carousel that fucking it would be, son of a bitch. It would have been like Bean John Malkovich Schizopolis, uh, like that's probably like Dude. Blue Velvet. Schizopolis like, rules. I know it does. Like House of Yes. It would just been like really uh, intense deep cut. Like kind of almost like fuck you if you don't get this kind of thing. It would be like what we would say the equivalent of uh, your top five in letterboxes, even though I try to be a little bit more like open about that. Probably right. cube, you know, just trying to be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I it's both it's both edge lord, but it's also like. Well, it is a good way to learn about somebody. I'm just very self conscious about it because I already feel like I talk about movies too much. And yeah, most women are not that into. I guess I get. I guess I get the thing where I'm like, I get a, a pass because I'm a chick and whatever. But I mean, uh, if you're the chick who wants to talk talk about movies you all day, that's like the cool chick that dudes like. If you're the dude that wants to talk about movies all day, there are women who uh, are into that. Are there red flag movies that if you saw on a dating profile of a girl that you'd be like, ooh, like would it just be like the fifty first or like you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not like I. I, I don't really like I'm. I'm open-minded enough where like I like I I've had girlfriends who liked rom-coms almost exclusively and it's not a problem for me. But if that's what they're putting out in the universe in terms of There are of, definitely dudes where that would be a red flag. I feel if like there's like red if, it, if it was all, you know, like 50 first dates and uh, you know not never been now, kissed, like, uh, no strings attached. I think and, it would have to be ones that specifically are the ones that are like geared towards a certain sense of I don't like, really think I, I don't really love. A ton of I mean that that wouldn't bother me at all as a red Sex flag. in the City I think I I like Sex and the City. It's but it's not again just like Fight Club's a good movie. It's not about no, I don't whether think, I, I don't think any of those are red flags. I think for me it's much more green flag. Like most movies, I would just scan right past and think nothing of because it's like, well, everybody likes that. But if a woman had certain kinds of movies that I really like that I think of as being an odder or more interesting choice, that would be a big inducement for me. Like, okay, so if she that has, would make them stand out. If she has on her list. Okay. Like if a woman had Congo on her dating profile, I would be like, hell yeah, let's meet up. So if a woman has, he's just not that into you Mm -hmm. as one of them, uh, uh, Valentine's Day. Sure. I mean, Uh, I don't care. You don't care. Most people I have dated or gone on dates with have had what I would consider like pedestrian movie taste. But I I guess like I'm over it. I spent my whole life around people with everyday movies but my question isn't whether they have that taste because you can have whatever taste you want it's whether that's the image that you're trying to put out into the world for looking for pensional needs yeah but i think but that's just what most people like i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with liking you know like those kinds of straight ahead like rom-coms that's your film diet honestly to me 
more of a red flag. Would be than... fatal attraction gone girl. And like, I think for certain yeah. guys, I think for certain guys, that's, yeah, that's for, certain, for certain guys, I think that's their version of the Joker. And I, I, and American I, I don't, I don't want to offend any of our listeners. And there are plenty of these people who I consider my friends. And it, it, like, I, I, I'm not saying this is dude. Yeah. This can get us into Ted Lasso. But, but my, but my one thing would be if a person had exclusively like Disney cartoons, like if if I if I, yeah, I what's wrong with that? if I got a whiff of this person was one of those like Disney adults where everything you was going to be literally offending the ninety percent of my fan base. I'm sure, but it, it would if, if that was your and again I love I love Disney classics. I like going to Disneyland. But if that was the exclusive thing you were putting out into the world in your dating profile, like if it was like your favorite movies and you picked like Guardians. No, no, no. Star no. Wars. Oh, you're saying other. No, no, Disney. no. I was saying animated Disney, like, like you're a Disney adult, so it's all Pixar or Di- like Moana and Tangled and Little Mermaid and Lion King, and like if that was your full list and there's nothing else, I would be like, this person is one of those those Disney obsessed Disney adults, and we're just probably not going to get along that well because I'm not that kind of a person. Apologies to literally all my listeners <laughs> i'm not saying it's a thing like i think you're an idiot I'm or a bad person i'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying kidding. that would be a red flag in terms of should we date because i'm not going to be there are plenty of guys who would what you're be, saying is you don't want to be part of their world <laughs> it's like i'm saying i don't want to be where the people are uh, what i'm saying is i was going to have a tweet because there's a there's a thing you know that that's on the internet about me uh, several things on the internet about me and in regards to who I used to be married to. But one of the things they like to pull from, besides my age being a decade off, <laughs> is a tweet. They always point to like, why did they get divorced? And they point to this one tweet, which says, sometimes having a girlfriend, this is from him, saying mm-hmm. sometimes having a girlfriend means listening to Scar's song at 1030 in the morning. And they're mm-hmm. like, was this a sign that something is wrong? And I had the thought, even though it's like years later, I was like, should, today should I tweet? Uh, you know, sometimes having a boyfriend means only dating guys who know it's called be prepared. Like, <laughs> like yeah. what was I thinking, man? Like Scar's song? Come on, and, man. And like, and I, That's fair. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't mean it to be judgmental about Disney adults. I know, I know like exactly I said, what you're saying. I know, I know and love many Disney adults. It's the and brand I, that they're putting forward exactly, about what they want. Exactly. It's, it, I feel like if you're putting that out into the world, you want a guy who's going to be like, I want to go to Disneyland every weekend. And I would try to do that for you to make you happy. And then I would burn out. Or like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. I could, I could see that happening with me in a lot of things. If, if yes. that Star Wars is your thing, like if Pokemon. Harry Potter, 100%. If, if a person's favorite movies were all Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter. It's not personal against Harry Potter, but that person's going to be happier with somebody else who's as Harry Potter. Obsessed. I guess yeah. For, for, I think for me, it's anybody who picks a franchise as their favorite movie. I think that to me is the redder flag uh, yeah, than anything else because I, I, it's saying that like you you are so all in on, right. on this thing. I think anybody who picked a diverse Marvel. array of movies, yeah. even if they were movies I didn't like. I would be like, okay, I could probably get along with this person. I wouldn't even like you. I also I, like a diverse array of movies. I wouldn't like it if you put like all three, or put like all Lars von Trier, like if you put all the, the no, Colors trilogy, that, Even I know you're going to disagree, but if you put all three of the Colors trilogy movies if, as your wow. favorite, or the if, Before if Sunset. I saw, if I saw a dating profile and a girl was like, my three favorite movies are, are Christoph Kozlowski's Red, White, and Blue, I'd be like, let's just get married. What about Before Sunset, <laughs> Before Sunrise, and Before... Nightfall. I mean, not not as much just because they're more like everybody knows those movies. It, it's it's less like you just picked like these three, you know, 90s, this French trilogy from this Polish director from the 90s. 
but it's still pretty good. I mean, still pretty good. Okay, what if you're okay? This is just saying. I'm not saying green flag, red flag. I I think I'm getting more to the point of what this this tweet like set off on people though, because I did get this tweet back from a, a friend of ours, uh, or a mutual Schmodown mm-hmm. uh, fan who got really upset with me when I tweeted this out, and they said, "What did you tweet?" Oh, I tweeted, um, hold on one second. I just retweeted the thing saying, oh, Short Term 12 would be like my pick. You said Short Term 12 was your green flag. Even though it's not my favorite movie, I just said that Short Term 12 would be my. Right, a a movie that you can tell about somebody based on their choice of that as their favorite movie. Exactly. And that's what I meant about that. I think that's what the question's asking. I think you're right. Not that I'm judging you as a person, like good or bad, making a value judgment based on that movie. Or saying that this is what you would put out. You're saying if you saw somebody putting this out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, so this is what I said. I said, short-term 12, and then somebody responded saying, that's why I don't think there can be such a thing as a red flag movie. Why we think the person likes it shouldn't be predetermined just because they have... Oh, wait, so this is... Sorry, this was a secondary tweet. So uh, I said, short-term 12, somebody else said, blah, blah, blah. They said, why is my favorite movie of all time a red flag movie? And this was a, a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody asked, which one? And they said, Fight Club. And the person responded, going, ah. And they went back, ah, LOL. And I said... I mean, it's a legit good movie. The tweet is more about red flags being guys who hold up Tyler Durden or the Joker. Patrick Bateman is cool edgelords of masculinity. And then I added, when all three are homoerotic sociopaths who did soon, soon slit Jordan Peterson's throat is look at him. Yeah. I think that was that was my point of it. But mm-hmm. that's also overlooking, like, the whole point of a dating profile yeah. is that you're making a judgment about somebody based on a few pieces of information about them. And I'm the one who's who's making the leap that it's a dating profile situation. But no, but I think that when you're speaking about it in that way, I agree that, mm-hmm. that that's what makes the most sense. And like the entire idea of a red flag is, well, obviously I don't have all the context that mm-hmm. I would only get to know down the road. It's a warning. It's an early warning. That's what a red flag is. And someone said that this is so, my favorite movie to the point that I've changed, let's say, my last name based on a character in this. I would be like, this is, this is a I'm sign. I'm just saying, like, you can't get upset with somebody for making a snap judgment about a red flag. That's what a red flag is. That's Maybe what, you think all snap judgments are bad. Well, it's like, well, then you can ignore this question. By the you way, don't believe in a red flag. As, as Bojack so eloquently put it once, that's the thing about wearing rose-colored glasses. All the red flags just look like flags. You're going to like whoever you like, whatever. This is just to me like a yeah. good guy. So I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of the idea of, of a, you know, like as I rarely don't, I don't think there would be a much of a opportunity where you really like someone and you want to be with that person and you want to spend more time with that person or get involved with them. And then one little thing that doesn't really bother you, but just seems like a possible problem. Yeah. I really don't believe that's human no. nature to, no, this to is more obey like that. If you're looking on a sheet of paper and someone's putting this out in the universe as they're like, this is my getting to know you thing. This yeah. is what I'm putting out. So anyway, this person responded. This is a woman, by the way. She's saying, this is why I don't think there can be such a thing as red flag movies. Why we think the person likes it shouldn't be predetermined just because they have a dick and I don't, LOL. And I was like, I mean, fair enough. I know this person really likes Joker and really likes Spike Club and likes these kind of like anti-hero guy things. And that's a whole separate conversation. And I said, it's because the toxic culture of fandom people have adopted around the films. It's not even about the films themselves. It's like The Matrix is a great movie. But if someone uses the phrase red pill in 2021, like... That's yeah. a sign. There's, there's cultural That's context a, that builds up. Yeah. None, none of this stuff exists in a vacuum. Yeah. The Matrix was made by two trans women. But if you're using the phrase from that movie as a very specific dog whistle phrase from that movie, 
Uh, that's a red flag to me. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like even when they're talking about, you know, like how how you choose a photo of yourself to put on a dating profile. Yes. Like if you choose yourself dressed as the Joker. When you're looking at the, the people looking at those photos, they're not just making a pure judgment about your appearance. Mm-hmm. They're making it in context about everything else they can tell about you from this photo. Where are you? How are you dressed? Who are you around? What yeah. are the circumstances? You know, like like all of that stuff. And and I think that's the same that we're applying with these movies. We're not just purely looking at it, Fight Club, the movie, as its own piece of art aside from- Or it. the commentary is supposed to be Fight Club being written by Chuck Palahniuk. We're, we're looking at it, right. We're looking Alice, at it in yeah. terms of like a person wrote this and they know everything that I know. This is their take on the world is that they want me to know that I should think about Fight Club in association with them. That's a very different message than just, I like, I like the film Fight Club. Right. And I think, right. you know, like, it's like, this is how I put it. There's also a difference between being like, I like guys who have damage written on their forehead, which is like its own kind of thing. And maybe you should, you know, <laughs> look inspect, into that. Yeah. Look into that. But that's a very different and like, I think like less dangerous. That's like more of a you problem than guys who are like, I aspire to be the Joker. Or like I aspire to be Patrick Bateman or I aspire to be Tyler Durden. Because I think that's an actual danger to society sort of red flag that should be like a red flag in a psychiatric evaluation. that should be a red flag like the fbi has your number list you yeah know? The, the the inability to 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 recognize the satire. flaws in in tyler durden's philosophy is not great or not be able to read a satire movie. like not yeah. be able to see that the well, whole thing is satire i i don't know i i do feel like we've kind of broken people's brains and and a lot of modern audiences don't get how to watch stories anymore this is a huge this is what i was going to bring up at the beginning okay we're almost at the end of today's episode okay so i feel like we should maybe even save this for next time okay but i did have one ted lasso thing about it well then let's all right we'll just we'll just go i want to hear a little bit of the tease for next all right the tease for next time would be and i this was inspired by talking about a bunch of stuff so please don't look back at my tweets and be like this was about this conversation But it was Ted, there was Ted Lasso talk this week. There was Marvel talk this week. I was talking about brand new cherry flavor with a bunch of people. All sorts of things have informed this. You had a Ted Lasso thing that blew up, though. Yes, I did have a. I had a Ted Lasso tweet that blew up this week. I had a few tweets that did okay this week, but it's, okay. it's all been about how we watch ongoing serialized storytelling. Yes, and I feel like the the Marvelness, and it's not just Marvel, but like the the fascination with ongoing, endless narrative, shared universe where everything is part of this larger patchwork of stories that are being interwoven constantly. I feel like it has it has really messed up the way people watch everything, even stuff that's not part of that world. And like we, we're losing our ability to judge storytelling on its own merits. Okay. And like the Ted Lasso example would be, it is a workplace sitcom, like fundamentally. It's a sweetheart. It's a like, gentle comedy is what we'd call it. Like I, to me, I feel like it is legitimately a workplace sitcom. And there are season overarching arcs. There are ongoing stories. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they, the episodes are not super plot driven. Mm-hmm. It's about these people. And it's about the characters. Scenario and AFC Richmond as an organization and getting to know the ensemble of people who pass through its doors. Okay. Um. And yet so much of the commentary about Ted Lasso season two has been that it's not like a driving propulsive narrative engine. Like 
what's this season about and why isn't it building and how come I don't learn as much about everybody as I did in season one and what about the games and how the team is doing and all this stuff. And it's like just the like, people who you said were watching the Sopranos but fast forwarding through. The it's it's exact that that <laughs> fast forwarding was to the another therapy. point in this in, the, in this pat in this mosaic. Yes, exactly. It's the people that are watching Sopranos and they're speeding through it just to get through more. And it's like no, but they're not, missing the therapy session specifically. They're yeah, like missing the point. They're skipping the therapy, and it's like there's not like a point to the, like the point is the show. There's no like you don't get a treat or a prize for finishing a season. It's not like people are doing it like like how we used to read books for Pizza Hut over the summer where it's yeah. like for every three books you finish, you get a cheese pizza. Well, like, I, do, I do want that. I feel like people are still in that mindset. They're like, we got to get through this so I can get to the next thing and get to the next thing. And it's like, well, then you're just perpetually, Vinny wrote about this today too when he Vinny was writing did? about the, Vinny Minkuso, so yeah, on Collider. Mean, my best friend. He wrote mm-hmm. a piece today about the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, which is just like, world building, metaverse, all this stuff. Hey, look at this, look at this. And and he was making kind of a similar point that we're, we're almost stuck in this world now where everything is looking back. Remember this character you loved 20 years ago or forward. How is this going to impact what happens on the shows that are debuting next year? We need mindfulness in our- In build. our entertainment. Nothing is ever like, well, did you like this episode? Well, was- because it's all because, just episodes. Because like, we're talking about the bigger issue of the IP thing, which is nothing is now just an original stand. People are really liking this movie Free Guy. I haven't seen it yet, but I think Ryan Reynolds, when I'm reading from it, Ryan Reynolds worked really hard, fought really hard to make this not tie into a, the studios wanted this to be like, oh, what if this was a Grand Theft Auto tie? Right, you know? exactly. And, and like, and, yeah. And, and, and like, yeah, and I feel like it, it, that has really damaged people's ability to just enjoy the thing that they're enjoying they're 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 stuck feeling like they have to get through the thing they're watching to get to the next thing and it's like the next thing isn't any different than this thing it's just more things like the 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 thing you're watching right now is the most important piece of content that will ever be made i think because it's the thing you're watching right now maybe that's a good argument for why limited uh, limited series and the british model is probably I think a very good model for television when we oh talk. i definitely agree because like it's limited to, like it is that you you get where you're even anthology tv has gotten a little too off the rails because now all all the episodes of an anthology tv show needs to like you know tie into a larger universe but like limited series it's like once it's done it's done or like that should be and we don't even get to have that anymore now Now you get to the end of white lotus and it's like coming back we're going to a new destination you know like we don't even get our standalone series are actually standing alone anymore uh but like I, I like that model of it which is like it's it is what it is it stands for itself and you can't have anything else like i was because i've been doing this script about halloween recently and like the idea that halloween was the most successful independent movie of all like one of the most independent successful studio like non-studio related movies of all time like it was just mm-hmm. gangbusters and it forced it into a franchise because it was so successful. Right, yeah. And there's so many instances, almost every single Halloween that is done well, the Rob Zombie one, the original, the, now with this uh, Jamie Lee Curtis coming back for David Gordon Green, they were all supposed to be one-offs. And then they were kind of forced into making these sequels that are getting... Every yeah, I mean, that's why Halloween 3 exists because Carpenter like fought it at first. Like, no, these should be new stories. Why do we want to keep going back to the same thing? I think it was... Studios that did that, right? Carpenter, because Carpenter only came back for the reshoots of. No, I mean, he didn't make Halloween three. I'm just he, saying. Yeah, I'm just in. saying, like the original concept was to branch yeah. out, do new stories. And by the way, that, that, that's 
something that I know it did really bad in theater season. The Witch has so much to recommend it. And it was it's really silly. It's really fun. silly, but it was supposed to be a satire. It's, it's when they went back and tried to yeah. rejigger it to make it more serious and gory that I think it lost a lot of what it was supposed to be, which was like yeah. a campy satire. Like it was supposed to be a commentary on like all this stuff. It was supposed to be so different from what the Halloween movies were. Right. This is all to say the Ted Lasso thing. I wanted to bring it back, but you, do you have one more point, I feel like, before the Ted Lasso thing? Do you want to talk about? No, it's all it's all the same interconnected point. I just feel like if you if we're at the point now where people are watching a literal sitcom, a comedy show about likable characters hanging out, figuring problems out, keeping their soccer team afloat. If even that now we're at the point of I can't enjoy it unless I feel like I'm moving forward on or, some or sort of. Or if it's as good as the nostalgia I have. Yeah, to like it's got to be part of this overarching story and every part has to link up to the other parts and it's got to be bigger and more satisfying than the last season. It's got to recreate all the stuff I love while adding new wrinkles and all this stuff. And it's just like. We're just we're losing our ability to just enjoy things for their own sake. I, yeah, I would argue there should be a movement towards mindfulness in television. Like when you watch television, you need to be mindful of like not comparing it like immediately to what should be coming forward. Or just just, like, yeah, just like, like the mindfulness movement. Just be in the moment, be present and enjoy this for what it is. Yeah, just not not getting so caught up in... Like is, is it, this is this exactly doing the thing that it's trying to do from the old or is, thing? Or is or, Mephisto? Is that a Mephisto right. tease? Or, or like, is you know, this going to build to this thing? Or my, what's my prediction for what's going to happen in the next? Get, yeah, just enjoy it. It's, like, it or, we're just yeah, we're losing our ability to just watch stuff and react to whatever it is without the expectations and without the. Uh, kind of why I think the A24 stuff is really good because they're not doing sequels and it's just sort of like it is what it is like you like the A24 films they stand alone they are like I feel like that's one of the last bastions of like independent movies I know TV and movies are different but like another good example I think is Channel Zero like I think and so I'm really interested in yeah. watching uh, Cherry brand new Cherry, cherry flavor. flavor because I think Channel Zero does a very interesting thing with the anthology that like it's different from Fear Street and American Horror Story which is like it's sincere it's earnest. It's hard in a way that we haven't seen a lot of. And it does just stand, each season just stands alone. They don't tie into yeah. anything else. And they all are really good on their own merits and you have nothing else to compare it to. So you're just watching it being like, I mean, this is yeah. good. You know, like the other thing that, you know, A24, they're working with independent filmmakers. They're working with a range of new voices and they're working with people who are still like, it's about, it's about expressing ideas, sometimes complex ideas. It's about having these conversations. It's about bringing other people in. Here's my perspective on a weird thing and like bringing other people in yeah. and like sharing that perspective. And I think that we're getting to this point in storytelling. And I, I had people today on Twitter like come out like in plain language and tell me that this is what they like, that it we've we've codified fan service into being a viable genre, that this is not about sharing an idea or communicating thoughtfully with me or about sharing somebody else's perspective or creating empathy. We, we don't want new things. This is purely about show me things that I know and I like in a way that I want to see them to make me happy and to like, to it like is. soothe me. It's like to, I need to be comforted. And in order to comfort me, it's like therapeutic. It's almost like the mass opiate. It's like the opiate for the masses idea, but like I, we've demanded it. Yeah. And like, like I got comments like this, for multiple, not just about Ted Lasso, about about multiple things this week, yeah. where people are just like they they just demand, you know, they want Make art to just be comfort food. They just want it to to soothe them. Like yeah. I just need to. My day was hard. My life is hard. I just want to watch something that is going to 
purely make me feel better. Not not entertain me, not not challenge me, not provoke me. Just make me feel better. Well, yeah, and, that's why shows like CSI and and, and but that Honor. but I don't. I mean, I guess the familiarity itself is soothing. Yeah, the, and the the structure of it is soothing. Right, but I think we're even moving beyond just like familiar predictability as being soothing to like literally being soothing, like Ted Lasso being like, "Hey, now, come on, calm down, be like like." Finding but, but comfort second, in the presence of these familiar, because like, but is that second season any less? I know people are complaining about, it, but I don't that, really think it's very different at all. Yeah, so exactly. So that I don't think that can quite be the argument because it's just as soothing. It's just as gentle. I had somebody refer to it the other day, though. I had a guy uh, in a hangout say, "Well, you know, I think I think it's a chick show," and I was like, it's about, "What? It's about dudes playing soccer." But he's like, "But look, all the dudes are like, they're all gentle. They're all like have they all have they're hard exit." I understand, but like, he's he's basically saying it's a, uh, it's a, what do you call them? Beta male kind of show where it's like guys who look tough, but in actuality, they're all just gentle. It's what women want. It's it's like, almost like it's like soccer hooligans. I know, but they're all on the inside. They're all softies and they're all being swayed by this, this gentle, like, I know I was kind of like, that's a person with some issues. I I don't, I don't even know, but I I get what they were. I almost get what they were trying to do. And it's like, I want the show to be more for me. well, but I keep my, I, I mean, I, I told off, off mic, I told you my, my Ted Lasso theory, which is I think people were watching it in this like pandemic cocoon experience. All, all over the course of a few weeks, everybody kind of discovered it together and binged it. And they're remembering that warm communal feeling. Their reminiscence has changed. Yes, and exactly. And like now they're going back and watching it. It's, I'll tell you, it's exactly the same thing. Um, I watched F9 the first time I saw it in a crowded movie theater during that like few week period when we thought the yeah. world was going to come back and reopen. And everyone was so And everybody excited. was so pumped and excited and it was this huge thing and it, it and the movie played gangbusters. I loved it. I, I left the theater being like that's one of the best Fast and Furious movies. What a great time. And then I had to rewatch it a few times for honest trailers by myself like at night alone like, in my this apartment. Movie is ridiculous. And it does not play quite as well folks let me tell well again but this is speaking to the mindfulness thing of it like can you enjoy it in the moment for what it is or like does it need to hold up under scrutiny exactly and then but but uh you know so so what i was getting at is i I think anyway i i don't mean this as a criticism of viewers or of the the people like i get wanting to be soothed like Mm -hmm. i don't blame people for that at all you go watch your office reruns if you need that that right that i'm just i'm just saying like it's it sucks as a society that we're in a place where we all feel that way like Mm -hmm. we're all so traumatized that entertainment and and art and tv have stopped being about challenging us and being interesting and provocative and fascinating and compelling and it has really become like we need to just we need a digital arm around our shoulder we just need to be comforted and that's what ted lasso is supposed to do and that's what that's what people that's how people are using it and so i do think there is a little bit in terms of ted lasso that they are trying to do slightly different things like, because it's a show. I also think it's, the, I think you had it right, which is the, we were almost mindful watching that first season. It felt like a collective. Yeah. And you were very present. And in I that do moment. think they, I don't think there's a quality differential. They have tweaked the formula. It's a little bit more of an ensemble show this year. And like, he's a little bit more, da- like, you see a little bit more of his damage, he, I think. We, well, because it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to just redo season one. We already had season one. We already well, people got. People want that. Yeah. Exactly. We are, we already, as an audience, we're ready to move on. We got to know Ted. We got, we got to see everybody 
everybody else have their first interactions with Ted, get used to Ted, come around on him or not. Like we've already seen all of that. Mm -hmm. So we're ready as a show, the creators of the show and the creative team and the writers who spend a lot of time thinking about what would happen next in this world, they're ready to move on. But the audience doesn't feel ready to move on because we just want to be comforted and soothed because we're traumatized by the world. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And I think we want things, we want to see things that reflect our worldview, that reflect, you know, like I feel like like shows that are, you can still have dark shows or shows that are great. Like pe- but dark in a way that's familiar and comforting. Street. Right. Fear Street that's, is the exact thing we're that's looking That's exactly for. it. It's we, soothing. I know what this is. I, I get know, this I get immediately. This uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, guys, I hope you don't think we've trashed your television taste too much. No, um, well, look, I'm, I'm saying, like, I'm part of this. Like, mm-hmm. I like to be soothed as well and yeah. comforted and, like, you know, I'm just, I tend to come out, like, Vinny and I today were coming out with this, you know, like, this Spider-Man trailer is a little bit of a letter because this is not what ideally stories should do. They shouldn't just, like, show you things that you know and, like, that's the Ready Player One. Like, ah. Eh? Iron Giant, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think that's as interesting on some level as telling an original story and sharing some of what you think and the way the author sees the world with me. But at the same time, like, I get it though. Like, I get what the argument would be for like, but that's challenging. I don't want to work hard. I don't want to engage with something and meet you halfway. I'm tired. I'm sad. I just want to eat an edible and be comforted and see things I like. Like, I'm I'm not trying not to come out too critically on that because I sympathize with it. I agree with you 100%. We didn't even get to succession, which is something that I feel like is- Well, we didn't get to a bunch of my notes on things I wanted to talk about because we just have so much to say. You know what? We'll save that for next time. I feel like there should be like a part one and part two and we release part one as like a (laughs) a Patreon exclusive. Oh, maybe. You know what? We release part one as a a to the public. We could do, you know, a lot of people do that. We'll record like 15 extra minutes after and then that just is for the Patreon. You know what? I know we're talking about this during thing and I'm not good at editing, but let's- Let's pause it right here. Let's say that this is the public one. All right. So this is goodbye to the public. They got, where can we find you, Lon? Oh, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to do it. Just Sweet. And how, are you doing any shows? Are you doing anything? Am I? Oh, oh, there is one thing. Uh, check out I just did for Fandom Entertainment on YouTube. I just put this together. It went up today. Hello. It's... Uh, it's a, a research project. It's a video series we do called By the Numbers. I love those. So I did a new one where I went through and I watched literally every Vin Diesel movie and every The Rock movie. And I counted up every time they land any kind of hit on a foe, get hit, knock somebody out, or get killed. Does this count or for kill. animated? Too? No. no. It count like animation that is made to look photoreal like the star. So like The Rock's face on a scorpion body. That counts. Or like, but like Guardians? Groot or no. the Iron Giant does not count oh, because okay. that's not Vin Diesel. That's Vin Diesel doing the voice of a tree. Okay. So it has to be Vin Diesel in some way on screen. Okay. Um, and so I, I went through all their movies and then I did ratios. I did all the calculations, figure out who is the bigger on screen badass over all of their films. Okay. The Rock or Vin Diesel. Um, can I make a guess? I'm not going to ask you to tell me because I You can make it. Sure. 50, you got a 50-50 shot at it. Well, considering how less movies one of them has been in and the other. Well, but I remember I did ratios. So it's, it's okay. pound for pound, movie for movie. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to say because I know that- I kept it, it fair, folks. It, this only came into play in terms of which one could beat the, the other one up in the Fast and Furious movies. So yes. you're saying across all their franchises- We've only seen them actually fight one another one time, and name it, the film. Uh, it was Fast 
five. You're correct. Fast yeah. five. That's absolutely And they right. had a like, and he, he, it had to end in sort of a stalemate, you know, like a pet, like somebody got Technically, one of them gets four more hits in during that fight than the other one. And, and one knocks the other one out. And right? one knocks the other one out. But it was all, you can, it, when you go back and watch that scene, and I encourage everyone to please do it. Yeah. You can actually see that they are really like trading blows. Like Vin will get one and then The Rock will get one. And if Vin gets like two in a row, The Rock gets a series. Yeah. Like it's extremely worked out how and, much they could beat each other up. And isn't, doesn't it end, or maybe not this fight, but in their fight in that scene ends with like one of them deciding like, ah, I'm not even going to land the final blow. Like it yeah. has to be like a mercy thing. Yes. There, there's, there's, there, it was obviously very coordinated. Yeah. And honestly, across all of the movies they're in together, all the Fast and Furious movies, which they, they both to appear, be like yeah. they're they're always very equal. So like if The Rock gets a scene where he gets to show off and beat up three or four people, mm-hmm. Vin will at some point get a scene where he gets to do that. I mean, because at this point they are superheroes. It is sort of like the Civil War thing where no one's going to die, but like they just got to like, you got to basically equal stalemate or someone needs to get knocked out. Like, yeah, so what, what, what ends up, what ends up, there There are a few outliers that really end up determining the, the final, mm-hmm. but I, I will say uh, Dwayne Johnson comes in at a bit of a disadvantage because he doesn't have a like triple X. He doesn't have a Riddick. And he, he started, doesn't have a yeah. franchise that's just him where he's the ultimate badass hero and he just, oh, like, Vin Diesel barely takes a punch in the Triple X movies. He's just an unstoppable killing machine. I'm excited to look for. I look forward to watching these series. It's yeah. So this is called this is by the numbers Vin Diesel versus The Rock. It is up right now. We also put the, the F9 on his trailer out today, which is why yeah, it sort yeah. of ties in. Uh, so look for that. That's uh, my the only thing I'm promoting right now is my ability to do Emma Stone's impression of a poster and SNL. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thesis. This is my. Big stinky burger, and this is my stupid beer. I don't know. I love doing that voice. So I don't much. know what sketch this is. Oh my god, really? We'll look it up. We'll look it up. Oh my god, we will look at this up. So guys, check that out. I'm on. Uh, what am I on these days? I just started this thing, Content Candy. It's an overarching yeah, uh, podcast network thing that includes Garmin Shosia, includes uh, other stuff that's been on our YouTube channel, like me and Adam Collins' show Why Are We Like This and Cinema Bias, and includes Nerd Chronic and I's show The Video Chronicles, which is sort of a haphazard whenever we whenever we have time to do it uh so check that out we are on all podcast networks i think right now except for right at the moment guys i hear i hear the complaints i hear the letters it's it's we're working on apple it takes a little while they they take it's not our fault it's it's, not our fault on apple side they take a long time sometimes to input new podcasts they don't want us to be on here telling you not yeah, to get vaccinated. Exactly. So if you want to check us out on Spotify, it's under Content Candy. If you just want to go to anchor.fm backslash video, Drew, you can find the whole thing back there. Um, also subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com backslash video, Drew. I'm doing a lot more with that these days. And then check out my YouTube channel. And then video, Drew, across all social networks. I like Pokemon. I saw a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, goodbye forever. And Bye. I love you. Bye. <laughs>